<laughs> Welcome to your Guitar Wing Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Halloween. We hope you enjoy today's show. This podcast will be brought to you from North Hollywood, California. And we would like to say thank you to all of our scary sponsors. We appreciate your help. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your time with Mr. Scott Henderson, the Bruce Foreman, and your host with the most, Troy McCubbin. We hope you have a devilish time listening in. Remember, if you have a problem, email us at guitarwank at gmail.com. Send all your abuse, all your fantasies, all your questions to there, and visit us on the web at guitarwank.com. Now, without further delay, Mr. Foreman, Mr. Henderson, what do we have in store for our listeners? Ha 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 Who would be the, the, like your, the dream guest, Richie Blackmore, right? For you? No, I mean, no? I, honestly, well, you know, when I would have some questions for him, absolutely. Oh, isn't he going uh, through some shit, some health stuff at the moment? Oh, I hope not. But I uh, thought I saw something where he's having trouble. Just he felt like he, he was saying it was like his last thing, or oh I don't man. Know. Well, no, I do have some people I would love to have on the show for sure. I mean, it'd be amazing. Say it, put it out in the ether. Man. Well, you know, I mean, I mean it'd be great to have Wayne Shorter come on here and there get, you go. Get, talk to us it'd be a lot of fun he lives um, in town yeah and and uh is he is he cool hang well you know wayne kind of talks in a in a kind of strange way kind of i guess it doesn't make sense sometimes but eventually you'll get the point if you keep asking him long enough he, he definitely has a, talks in a strange way but it's very interesting to listen right. to you know i was on the bus with him a lot because I didn't ride the bus with Chick Corea because <laughs> <You went that. laughs> I, I just wanted to get away from that. Right. So so Wayne let me ride on his bus a couple times and I got to hang with him and listen to him talk and it was always really interesting, really fun. I think a guy like that would yeah, be amazing yeah, to have. Great to have on God, the show. I would give anything. Yeah, that would be incredible. Well, should I reach out? To, I'll reach out to him. Okay. I think Scott should. Scott? Yeah, I don't know if you know if he remembers my name. Really? Yeah, I was he's a some, big star. I was yeah, that's a, you know that joke. I'll tell you that joke later. <laughs> he's a big star. Yeah, that's the joke. I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, what else happened, Troy? You were over there reading your laptop, like. Hey, I'm pulling up. I'm trying to get through. These are people that have spent time to send us emails. 
and I'm trying to do the right thing by the email. And no, no, you're doing the right thing. It's just I wish you could read better. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, I'll give you one. If you think, uh, I, guys, I, this is from Trevor Frank. Trevor Frank, thanks, Trevor. You sure it's not Frank Trevor? <laughs> Frank Trevor. <laughs> Guys, I continue to love the podcast. We're well, probably after this show. Yeah, no, this is the it. end of that. But okay. <laughs> it's insightful, inspiring, and hilarious. There you go. Well, I have okay. a couple of questions for you guys. If you think they're stupid and don't want to weigh in, no worries. Okay, okay. well, I'm just going to throw it out. Hypothetical. Let's assume <laughs> you've got a young, already. beautiful female music fan and or musician with limited means. This beautiful girl cannot afford, I'm just reading this. This beautiful girl cannot afford to buy all of the music she wants to support. Wants, she wants to support. Um, and let's say she would spend all of her money on other music bef before buying yours. Would you rather this person steal or pirate your music, possibly to become a fan, or, um, or will you pay them, uh, to, what is it, to come on a show? Or would you rather this person never hear your music? I, I, you know, does that make any sense? <laughs> wait, wait a minute, though. What is There's this? a whole lot of subjects here. <laughs> would you, you, know, would you mean, like, first it's like about okay. being a beautiful okay. girl. Okay, and okay, okay. Yeah. About... If, if it were a puppy dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but only a beagle. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, hey. or a corgi. I'm sorry, i got to find a better it's question. It's just a beagle or a corgi. <laughs> I would like the beagle to hear my music. But definitely not the not corgi. Not the corgi. Yeah. Corgis are, yeah, they're dying. Not the corgi. Yeah, their legs are too short. You can't just trust them. Great attempt at a question, though. But no, no, I, I just would like to say I don't care. Anybody wants to hear my shit, everybody's stealing it anyways. You go ahead and do it if it makes you feel better. Yeah, I'd rather know. them hear it. I'll and get then back maybe at you because you'll hate other, it anyway. Yeah, they'll, they'll buy it at some other point down the line when she can afford clothes and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that or was... Or a beagle. That was from Trevor Frank. <laughs> okay. Uh, Trevor, what is that all he had? Is that, is that there the was more, question? but I didn't want to go there because oh, that was Trevor, just Oh, no, Trevor, let's hear more. This guy asked some great questions. Yeah, Trevor, you can Really? Do you want to hear more? Yeah, let's yeah. hear more. I mean, that was, a, that was an unusual question. If there was a prize for an unusual question, he would have gotten a, at least a runner-up. All right, all right. You, you, well, maybe he's when it is, the here. When is it okay to play or record yourself over someone else's record? There's the Kenny G, Louis Armstrong, right? Right. And, and this, uh, uh, which both, uh, Louis Armstrong, end of the spectrum, all the way to the practicing over a solo in your basement, end of the spectrum. Ooh, I don't know what that means. With, which both seem pretty obvious. But there is also lines somewhere in the Okay, so what he's asking, the Kenny G, Louis Armstrong thing. Now, you've talked about this, and you said it was a, a monstrosity, right? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, my, yeah, my submission is necrophilia. It's necrophilia, yeah. It's yeah. musical necrophilia. Yeah, okay. which is, yeah, which you is, know, is which horrible. Which is about as disgusting as anything can it's be. It's like as, about as distasteful as Kenneth Copeland asking you for money so that Jesus will heal your wounds. You know, it's like... Jesus, fuck. Well, what band is Kenneth Copeland playing? <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. He's one of the guys I really fucking hate. Okay, I like but I don't know. What band is he playing? 
Uh, the Jesus. Oh, that, uh, oh, he's a preacher. <laughs> he's a preacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. Know he's a guy I'd like to fucking. I thought bury he was a drummer. You, I thought he was a drummer. You hated. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's worse than a drummer. He's a TV evangelist. He is. I'd like to fucking bury my foot so far up his ass. <laughs> I, well, you probably. I be hate sh- that motherfucker. Uh, so anyway, uh, there, um, there goes uh, getting uh, into religion. Okay, yeah, we're getting so, into religion now. And then he, he had another question about uh, streaming, which we've, we've already touched on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, ah, "This I guy's mean, no, but but back to playing along with records, dead or alive. There's nothing wrong with that. Play along with records. Well, of it's course, great. that's how it's you learn. It's a great do. thing to do. Play it, do it. You know, maybe record along with it. <clears throat> but don't I'd, record I'd, it and I'd, release look, it. Look, as far as I'm concerned, Louis no. Armstrong is jazz you know a thousand years from now if they want to know what jazz was 15 seconds of that guy's life is enough they can get it all but i that's how much i revere louis armstrong but to record myself commercially and put myself out with him it's not right it's just come on you know and even in those beautiful moments like where natalie cole did it with her father i don't know if you remember yeah that, that, that was kind of beautiful, and it was her father. I even found that a little, to my taste, didn't need to happen. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I agree, and I, I just the mean, only I mean, reason I it was beautiful. It I'm, I'm here to say it was beautiful. Don't get yeah. me wrong. No, that's But what, there was a part of me that was going, this didn't need to happen, really. You know, it's, yeah, but that's... But when it you, did, no, it didn't. It just... Why? To me, it's just sort of... Uh, it's like... Doing something to the dead that doesn't need to happen. I, I mean, too big. it just doesn't need to. We don't I, need to I go think, there. It was commercial. Yeah. It was for commercial purposes. I know she loves her father. I know musically she's a gene. She's just brilliant and beautiful. And her father, no one's a bigger fan than me. I didn't really need to see that sort of that. But they would have done that if he was alive, right? Yes, then it would have been great. But they had the technology. And he's playing on the thing and she's singing along with it. And it's really for commercial purposes. It wasn't for, it was to sell us something. And it just, it just, it turns me a little bit. I'm sorry. It does me too. Okay. But but I do see the beauty in it. Oh, no. And didn't I say that? Yeah, because they're related. And it's because it's And it's beautiful. I said it's so beautiful. But but it's still still for me. There was a problem with it. I got to say. I had a visceral. And and as far as Kenny G, you know. I mean, everyone who who's who had any part of that is just a giant fucktard. <laughs> you know, that's just that's wait a minute. Is, that's wait a minute. And wait I'm not talking about just my father Kenny. did that. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh not, well, he's I'm just not, a fucktard. I'm not, I'm not even talking about Kenny G. I'm talking about David Foster and whoever fucking produced that bullshit. You know, he's equally to blame. He's even a bigger fucktard than Kenny G because he probably talked Kenny G into doing it. <laughs> yeah, I would you know? imagine. So, so we all know Kenny G's a fucktard. So, so the thing is, is that is that you know when you figure you've got a producer who his job is to make music and that's what comes in his mind to make good music to to pair a fucking no playing asshole like Kenny G with someone as great as Louis Armstrong and that's his idea of how to make music and this is what you call a producer and I believe that's David Foster you know and, and to me he's a talentless piece of shit anyway but I never liked anything he did I but nevertheless, agree. you know that's, but th- that's. I think that was yeah. wasn't that a straight up. Uh, that's a straight up. Straight up uh, commercial. Let's horrible, make sell man. some money. Yeah, that's make well, some money. Horrible, horrible, and no wonder Pat Metheny got all pissed off about it and wrote a big letter about it. 
I'm, I'm glad he did. Me too. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to say that Kenny G is a no talent person. That's where I, I disagree. I, I think Kenny G has his talents. And did I say he was a no talent? Yeah, piece of he's, shit? He's I'm sorry. No I don't mean to do. I, no, you know what? I t- I take that back. He's not. He's very talented at what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. He, he is very talented at I what mean, he does. I mean, he was just angry. And I was never. And I was. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is before he did that. I was one of the people who always used to say, you know, so what? Kenny G just does what he does. You can't compare Kenny G to Dexter Gordon or or Charlie Parker or or, or you know or or Sonny Rollins or anybody like that. It's a completely different kind of music. It's not really jazz. And it's, he does it really well and he really well, believes yeah. in it. So yeah. okay, and, go and for I, it. I have no problem with him doing the kind of music he likes. It's it, as long as there's room for everybody. The thing that pisses me off a little bit is he gets all the airplay and we don't. Right. That's what pisses me off. You know, they play him night and day on the wave, but they don't play John Schofield or Pat Metheny or 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 John Coltrane or whatever. They don't play real jazz. They play that. It's jazz for people who don't like jazz. So that kind of gets under my skin. Or Rhythm and blues for people who have neither. <laughs> right. What? Right. People who have neither. Right. <laughs> it's basically like almost like a top forty track without the vocals. <laughs> you know, with some sax soloing instead. It's 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 I will say one thing. The music of Kenny G fucking sucks. <laughs> it's the worst fucking composition. It's beyond it's below bad. I mean it, you just can't get any worse than a Kenny G song. I mean, seriously, a first grader could write a fucking tune like that. Most of his music is banal crap. But and I will say by most, I would say ninety-nine. Yeah, I would say most. Hold on, hold on most. here, banal. Banal is that like a mixture of banal and anal? Yeah, yeah, banal, banal, right? Like banal Foster. No, but I mean, most of his music, 99% of his music is bullshit. Right. But the way he plays, man, I mean, he's a good player for that style. He is. And back in the days of Jeff Lorber, you know, he kind of killed in that band. You know, he played that music really about as good as anybody could play it. Yeah. And that that I respect. But when he did that thing with Louis Armstrong, I I lost respect for him as a person. Right. Then I started calling him a piece of shit. You know, I shouldn't say untalented piece of shit. I'll just say piece of shit. Right. It was just. It was. Yeah. Just. Oh, those noises are coming to you straight from the bathroom of, of Bruce Foreman. Who was who was that guitar wank fan that got a picture of Kenny G? Did you see that? Yeah. Dennis. Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah. He went yeah. beyond and beyond and above and got a picture with. Kenny G in a guitar wank t-shirt. Bruce! (laughs) (laughs) It's like that movie, Naked Gun. It's like Naked Gun. (laughs) I I love Leslie Nielsen. Um, So, Jonathan Giblin. Giblin? Jonathan Giblin. Guys, thanks for offering such a great podcast. All this is going to go to our heads. look, Look, guys, you don't have to say that. You can just ask a question. (laughs) <laughs> or, or donate <laughs> or donate the money really I never he never misses an episode he, well, really yeah. you know we did have someone say that Bruce stop being so 
so down on everything. Stop being a downer. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, stop being, like... <laughs> yeah, really? Like, me? about... I see the expression on his face right now. He's, like, he's like really hurt. He's, like, a little no, wounded I, I, I'm, I'm surprised with No, he's, like... Like, don't be so down on your playing. Like, like it's your running joke all the time. Was like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna hate it after this and all that. That's what the the email was oh, saying. Oh yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. You see, the way I figure it is, if I put myself down, I get to it before anybody else. Can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that way. I don't have to listen to their shit because I beat them to it. You know. I think that's, that's what fair. it is. It's just all self protection. Well, Jonathan- really, I think of myself very highly. Some of the time. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what they didn't like. I was like, well, that's our whole podcast right there. Um, Jonathan asked, he said, question for Bruce, Bobby Hutchinson. Bobby Hutchinson, yes. Yeah, recently passed, is that right? Yes, that's where I just mentioned him earlier, but oh. I don't know if it's on the same podcast. Okay, no. I know he played on one of your albums, right? Can he you... played on a couple of my records and I played on a couple of his, yes. Can and you, I can went you on talk tour a little bit him. about him and what was it like to work with him? Wow. And, and for the people that don't know Bobby, can you please tell us a little more about Okay, him? Bobby Hutcherson is a vibraphone player. For those of you who know what that instrument is, the vibes, they call it. It's, it's like a mallet instrument with metal bars. Yep. And it's a very interesting instrument in that it's, it's, it's soft and beautiful and cerebral, yet it's super powerful and very ethereal. Mm-hmm. And yet he took it into the world of straight-ahead, hard-driving hard bop jazz wow and he you know was like kind of the the guy after milt jackson who played in a much bluesier sort of beboppy way and bobby was just a force of nature a brilliant person who who played great wrote great swung his ass off had unbelievable chops and had an amazing sense not only of harmony but how that instrument could function harmonically because the vibes there's really no bad notes on it you know you hit anything and it's going to sound good and he really utilized that how to create tension within the context of a beautiful sounding instrument that's never going to be out of tune or you know grinding because of how ethereal sounding it is and he understood that and more yeah and he could control energy and he could he could play harmonic stuff that just was just unworldly. I mean, really, I grew up in a, in San Francisco in a club called Keystone Corner. It was my church. It was my university. It was my everything. And his band would play there usually on a six to ten week rotation right. for six nights. And all those guys lived in town, and I played with them. You know, here I was a young kid, and I'd do sessions with them and stuff. But Bobby, getting to play with him, getting to record with him, getting to know him, I just can't tell you. He, there's very few musicians on earth that, that, that I've experienced that have that kind of just brilliance to everything about them. It is even as a person, he was a fun-loving, yeah. intelligent, funny guy uh, who was just... Had a great heart too. I mean, every. I mean, I just have the. I just hold him in the highest esteem, and cherish the fact that I got to listen to him so much, and even got to play with him. Wow! Know? And how old was he? 
he probably was in his mid seventies. He'd been he had some health problems, but right. he lived far longer than probably anybody would have thought he did. He'd been on oxygen for the last uh, five years of his life, pretty much nonstop, and right. yet he'd be on the bandstand and he'd be kicking people's really? ass. Really, energy. I mean, he. I saw him with Joey DeFrancesco, who you know is like a dynamo. Maybe you don't know, but he is. He's an organ player. Yeah. And Bobby was just whooping them all. Wow. He was riding them hard. You know, I mean, he's just so amazingly energetic and full of life force. What jazz is really all about yep. to me. And was he a solo guy too? Like he had his own albums and stuff out Oh, there? yeah. Well, there's yeah, lots yeah, of Bobby Hutchinson. There's a records. bunch of records. Lots of them. All the way back to when he was very You know young. what? I don't have any of his records. Oh, man. I should have some. You should. I, I don't have any of his records. You need records. to get some. Yeah. You need to get some. Yeah. He was a good writer. What's a really good one? Oh, man. There's a lot of them. Total Eclipse, man. That was, that was great uh-huh. shit, man. Man, there's so many. Who's on that? Oh, God. I Got to go back and. Does he usually have like saxophone players and yeah? There's usually a horn player. His band was usually piano, sax, drums, and bass. Mm -hmm. Uh, And occasionally a trumpet player. Yeah, I'm on some of his records. Any any other guitar players other than you too? You know, yeah, I think so. I mean, I got to go back over and look. And Freddie Hubbard was on some of his records. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, and he played with Dexter when he he was a kid here in L.A. Uh huh. And so he played with Dexter and Al McKibben. You know, that was his early start, and then he moved to New York, and he was he played with Eric Dolphy. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he, okay. he, you know, he was a young phenom. Yeah, I don't have any of his records, and I, I, will, I will get and, one. And, you know, I mean, there's one record I did called Full Circle that Bobby's on. It was right when I was playing with his band, and I came up with some idea for Skylark, right, where... I would play the melody in the against the descending chromatic descending bass, and I just said, "Bobby, fill in the blanks," and the shit he came up with, you know, right off the top of his head, was so amazing. I want to hear that. You got it. You, you've got. Um... It's, it never came out in CD, so I've got, I've got the vinyl. You know. Oh, I'd really like to hear that. Wow. Well, that's a great question, and thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that, Jonathan. Bobby Hutchinson. When did, when did he pass? Bobby Hutchinson passed, uh, let me think, uh, about two, three weeks ago. I didn't oh, even wow. hear about two it. Weeks. I didn't know about that. Is he maybe, sa- even, maybe even a week. No, two weeks probably. Uh-huh. San Francisco? Yeah, he lived, well, of course he was New L.A. guy originally, lived in New York for a long time. Moved to San Francisco in the 70s. Okay. And lived in a town on the beach south of San Francisco called Montera. Hmm. And he's lived there for the last 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Well, big uh, condolences to the family and that. And, well, check out some of his stuff. Bobby Hutchinson. Yeah. Oh, man, you will be so happy you did. That's cool. There's probably some... I'm sure there's probably YouTube of him too, right? Oh, tons. Yeah. Tons, mm. tons. Okay. We'll, we'll check it out. Um, and uh, Jonathan also says that he picked up Scott's new album and thought it was terrific. Thank you. <laughs> he got, I've got most of Bruce's recordings, but this is the first of your albums I bought... Um, uh, wow, but, but, so I actually turned somebody on the sky. Yeah, you turned turn Jonathan on the sky. That's like, yeah, okay, it's like a thousand to one now. <laughs> right. and, then, and then he said, Jonathan said, Scott, lend Bruce a couple of your old stomp boxes before he gets too deep into the old resonator thing. Ah. Stomp I kinda, boxes? Yeah. What did he say? Stomp What's boxes. a stomp box? 
Pedals. <laughs> oh, it's a pedal? Pedals. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to hear you on some pedals. I'd, like I'd, to I'd be glad a, to do a pedal. Like, no, nah, some pedals. You on Italian and some pedals. Okay, I'll do it. You will do it? I'll do it. You heard it here first, ladies I'll and gentlemen. I'll do it. Sure. And I want to hear I'm a cowboy. Scott I'm a cowboy. On a ukulele in a G-string. There you go. Well, that's, you know, you, you got to come to my house. I know. I just want to hear him play mamas and papas and songs on the beach. <laughs> I'm in a G-string all the time at the house with my ukulele. Oh, all the time. sounds like a lovely evening. That just, oh. I want to hear the mamas and papas on the beach. So. <laughs> that singing, be singing some mamas and papas tunes. Yeah. I'm leaving <laughs> on, a, on a jet plane. That's... <laughs> That's John Denver. No. Was it? it? That was the Mamas and the Papas, wasn't it? No. Yeah, isn't it? I love California Dreaming. I, I went California. On, oh, we played speaking, that. Speaking of which, one of the funniest things, and I'm still saying it, I said it all through Germany. What? Was, was Alan at the, at the, uh, at the Guitar Wink Roadshow. We were talking about playing jazz, and he said to me, you guys know Autumn Leaves? I said, yeah, you know, and he says, yeah, Autumn Leaves are brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alan Hurts. Yeah, yeah that was a that good was one. That was so great. That was, a, that was a good one. Yeah, I know it. Autumn Leaves are brown. I said, like, that is, that is. That was good. That was brilliant. You know, I'm still saying that. I was doing it over in Germany. And they, were all, they were all peeing front lines, you know, at the end of the um, day. That is one of my favorite <laughs> pop songs of that era, too. That's such a great song. Which one? Autumn Leaves of Brown. California Dream. Oh, California Dream. Yeah, it's not Autumn Leaves. <laughs> Fuck Autumn Leaves. I don't even know the words. That. All right. <laughs> um, it's French anyways. What? The Autumn Leaves. Oh. Originally, it's not really American. Oh, shit. It is a John Denver, dude. Yeah, it's, see? Wonder Troy. Dude. No, no. I got a Peter, Paul, and Mary, but it's still not the uh, uh, Mamas and the Papas. Chris Van Dunn. Shit, I'm so lame. Chris, we're, God, gonna, I'm gonna Chris, we're still going to send you that gift, mate, because you did win. He was Chris was the one that had the mug in Paris and outside of London. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And we well, met him outside. A, he didn't get a prize. Why didn't he no, get his we, prize? We, he's going to get a prize. I just got to get to I just got to say, Chris, it's because Scott just wanted boobs. That's the problem. <laughs> he's the sexist one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We met Chris outside of the baked potato going to see Mike Landell that night. All right. Him and his wife. Mm -hmm. Lovely, lovely bloke. Good on you, Chris. Thanks, mate. And um, and now that you've finally talked about Alan Holdsworth, <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts about Pat and Jim. Who's Pat? Pat? Uh, let me guess. Pat Metheny and Jim Hall. Yeah. Oh. Um, and, okay, and I'm just going to say this once. And each of their approach to playing improv and their approach to guitar as well as your thoughts on Pat's approach to composition and arrangement and any funny stories you got. Like I think we've already spoken about this. But, you, and, and Chris, I do love your Eiffel Tower thing, you know, so I want to hear you're a job. lovely man and I met your wife and she seems nice too. But... <laughs> but... <laughs> Almost every interview of my life, I've been asked about Pat Metheny or Jim Hall. You have? Yeah, practically. They probably get asked about you. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I have a little bit of resentment. I don't know that Pat Metheny just says, you know, there's this guy Bruce Foreman. What do you think of him? No, but he's not on a podcast where people are asking him about... No, my point is, is I'm talking about every interview I've ever done. Oh, it's okay. like, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of this guy? You know, these guys have a body of work. Everybody knows who the fuck they are. 
can we talk about something else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when they start talking about me, I'll start talking about them. I've already on this podcast said how much I love them, how much mm. I respect them. I'm done. When well, they start talking about me, I'll start talking about them. I, I honestly, Sorry, like, the celebrity thing has just got me. Even though they're great, they're celebrities. But you, you're a celebrity guitarist. I'm not. You are. I'm a nobody. No. Half of the people only found out about me because I hang around Scott. No, I knew you back in Australia. I knew you before when I was an up-and-coming That's guitarist. That's Tony Calabro. Yes. Okay. So you're a celebrity guitarist. Like Scott, I know Scott before I met you guys. A celebrity guitarist. I, I can you're going to have to live with that. You're going to have to learn state. to live with that. I can deal with my lowly state in life. I just don't like giving a boost up to other people but who don't. L- let me ask you the question. What, what was what was the question exactly about? Like, what he wants to know. About? Um, he I'm, says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Pat and Jim's approach to playing improv and approach to guitar and blah, blah, blah. Well, the, you know and what? if you have any funny stories about them. Okay, oh, okay. funny but, stories. But, I got funny stories. Okay, well, he's got some funny stories. Go ahead. The, the, no, I'd rather I, hear I, funny I stories than hear mad, what I, I have to say. I did get mad at one interviewer. <laughs> you did? <laughs> Besides just I me? In, I was in Italy. Uh, I, was, I was jet lagged and drinking, which are two bad combinations. One should never do both at the same time. Okay. <laughs> and he say he asked me about Jim Hall or Pat Metheny, and I said, "Motherfucker, do you ask them about me?" <laughs> and he kind of went like, <laughs> and I said, "Well, when you start asking them about me, come ask me about them." <laughs> I mean, I'm coming here. I need some help here. You know what I mean? There's three people at my gig. Help me out, okay? If you want, it will be better if I just say something bad. At least you'll write it, you know. So, anyways, I got real dark, and so, anyways, <laughs> so granted, I obviously have a problem, an issue with their relative celebrity versus to mine, and I'm jealous, and I'm a small-minded person. And I <laughs> admit you know what? I'm going to do my best to track down Pat and Jim, and go. Dude, well, dude, and- I just got to let you know that. Tracking down Jim is going to be a difficult process right now. Oh, because... He's kind of beyond, and you're going to have to... Oh, uh, Jim, yeah, Jim's passed. He, he's it? already transitioned, so... Well, I, have you ever heard of science? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, do that. And, you know, Jim was a beautiful man, and I'm sure he would, like, probably try and assuage my feelings of inadequacy, you know, because he's a good man. You know. now, well, how do you know Jim, besides... <laughs> I do know, I did know him. No, I know. How did you know Jim? I met him and we hung, we hung out and we talked. Well, times. well, what kind of I I don't know. I just know the name of Jim Hall and I've heard his playing over the years. Blah blah. But I know. Oh, here I go. Okay, I'm going to break my rule. <laughs> Jim Hall, probably the first person to legitimize the guitar as a usable instrument for comping inner jazz rhythm section instead of a piano. Okay. He is the man who made my life possible. In many ways. Just wow. Even of, more than Joe Pass? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. I mean, really? in terms of a guy that could provide that function in a rhythm section, mm-hmm. the bridge, of course, with which was with Sonny Rollins, which was the major record okay. that established yeah. that. His work with Chico Hamilton before that. Yeah. I believe it was before that. And um, he established that, oh, we can get a guitar instead of a piano. Joe never really provided that function I didn't in know jazz that. Okay. no it's really in the straight ahead jazz that guitar is an acceptable instrument instead of a piano it was Jim Hall mm-hmm. that did that and so for that I'm forever indebted we all are 
Right. Uh, and, I mean, and that's not even going into his brilliance. I don't know how to play chords, but I'll say that I'm indebted. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. But no, really. I mean, so here, okay, I, I'm breaking my rule, but <clears throat> I mean, it's obvious. Jim Hall was brilliant and a genius, and and there's some things he did that were just amazing, and some things he did that weren't. And you know, we're all human, you know. And well, but and so I'm not going to say that you know, like every note he ever played was golden because it wasn't. No, any more not. than every note John Coltrane ever played was. I mean, but at the same time. He's a god. I mean, he's an icon. It, not just because of how he played, but historically what he made happen through his brilliance. That's just amazing, okay? And you'd have to give that to Pat, too. Okay? And I'm done talking about them until they talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I think that's what the listeners want to hear is stuff like that because... I wasn't aware of that, and clearly Scott wasn't aware of that as well. I wasn't, no. And that's that's really mm-hmm. cool to hear someone that had first, you know, that experience with these kind of guys. But let me ask you this, and I'm because I really don't know. Yeah. Was Pat Metheny? Would Would you say that Pat Metheny was the first of the new hollow body guitar players of the, that became? He, Highly well known. He be, he was the yeah. He became the first really star power one, and that used processing with a hollow body. Yeah, but in other words, before him, there was Larry Coryell was the only other one who was kind of doing it at the same time. Yeah, but but when Pat came along, it was like okay, here's a young new guitar player, and he's not using distortion at all. He's yeah, but he was, using, a, he was using chorus and digital. Delay. Yeah, but he, he was, was using chorus at first, right? And digital delay. But he was right using up. like a hollow body to get a jazz sound, but yet it had a real distinctive voice, and it right. it really sounded like him. Right. And then after him, the, the people that I think of that that came along after him that further, you know, that that came along and had something that was so unique you couldn't really compare it to anybody else were people like Bill Frizzell. You know who Schofield, has Schofield, Kurt Schofield, and Kurt Rosenwinkel. Kurt Rosenwinkel. Sure, sure. I think Kurt to a lesser degree because I don't think there's anything special about Kurt's tone. Well, I you know I do. But, I don't. Okay. But, but so, you know, whatever. I think Kurt just has a really not. In fact, I thought his tone was pretty terrible when he first came out, uh-huh. and I think that it got a lot better when he got away from uh, whatever he was doing to what he's doing now. His tone has drastically improved, and now he gets a great tone. Whereas I believe when he first started recording, his tone was pretty not that happening. But that's just my opinion. Right. But now I think it sounds good. But but even though it sounds good, I don't hear that it's n- anything not traditional. I don't hear anything not traditional about I Kurt's do, tone. I do, I do. Yeah, what do you but, hear that's I not, mean, not well, traditional? Well, I mean, it's just his use of like his voice in you know in conjunction with it. And the way, he, the yeah, his sound—it's different than Pat. It's, it's well, yeah, it's different than Pat. But is it different than a lot of jazz guitarists yes. that you hear? Yes. Yeah. I mean, all the guys who came through that—you know, like the Helot Hexelman and even mm-hmm. Julian Lodge to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Those guys, <clears throat> Kurt paved that way. Mm-hmm. Kurt, Kurt opened that Cause, door because I, I mean, hear which, that... which came from Pat in many yeah. ways. And yeah, well, I'll agree with it. I mean, Pat's sound 
And I heard a friend of mine who told me that Pat actually, you know, because Pat's a very intelligent guy and a really great composer, that he actually crafted his sound almost from a intellectual perspective. Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I got the hollow body, the dark sound, and I'm going to process it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's very dark. Mm-hmm. And, like, he almost kind of, like, found his sonic niche in the world where there wasn't somebody there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Which is brilliant yeah. because, truthfully told, you think about the who are the big guitar players in jazz right now. You know, of course, you got the traditional guys, George Benson, which is, you know, he's more known for pop now, even though he's still the greatest jazz guitar player. You know, you got Bill Frizzell and John Schofield and Pat Metheny. They're the kings. And Mike Stern, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, if you talk about record sales and stardom uh-huh. and celebrity, those guys are on a, you know, mm-hmm. different. I mean, not musically, but on mm-hmm. a stardom world. And what makes them special is they all have a really unique sonic signature. Mm-hmm. Not that, I mean, they play great too, but there's a million guys that play great. I mean, they mm-hmm. have a sonic signature, not just their music, but their sound of their instrument. Right. And, and those people that kind of find a place to have their sound, that seems to resonate more to the world than even the content of their arrangements or their playing. Yeah, I'd have to agree. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's just an observation of somebody who play, who's like an old fuddy guy that plays old bullshit. That no, but I, 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 I totally agree with that because sometimes, sometimes sound. To, to, I'm talking strictly, uh, strictly on a commercial level. Yeah, no, on and a commercial ta- level. Yeah, but that's sound, what I'm talking about. Sound resonates with people <laughs> who don't really even know anything about music. So, so you know, if you if you hear. You know, someone that, that sounds like when Holsworth came out, of course, he had right. a different, completely different way of playing. And, he, of course, he was playing very fast, and that's impressive that he had such amazing chops. But his tone was really something that nobody had come up with yet. In, right. the, in the world of jazz fusion, no one had come up with a tone like that. And, it, and, it, and that is just as much a part of what made him famous as much as what he was playing. Because his tone was so unique and so different, and uh, and and yeah, no, it's, it's the voice. Yeah, it's, it's the, the voice. voice. I mean, that's it's what we all. Right. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I believe that's what we respond to in music. Mm-hmm. I think that that is ultimately. I mean, why I play the way I play. You know, I mean, why I use the equipment I use. It's never been a choice because it's easier to play my shit. Mm-hmm. It's always because it gave me a sound that was pleasing to my ear, right. and then I adjusted my technique to get my shit out through that instrument. Mm-hmm. It's always been the case. I've never done it the other way. You know, yet at the same time, I'm not doing anything new, and no one gives a fuck, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay, because I'm having a good time, and I'm having the last laugh. I'm going to have my cult, you know, and the rest of the yeah. motherfuckers. Well, I feel start. the same way about myself. I'm not really doing anything new either. I'm just playing a strat with, this, with distortion like a million guys have done before me. I'm just doing it in the world of, of, of different music rather than rock and roll or blues strictly, you know. I'm doing but I, but I would say, jazz, I so. would say, you know, yeah. and no blowing smoke up your ass here. You have a unique sound that is yours and I could pick it up out of a, you know, before I, before I even heard the content of what you're playing, uh-huh. I could hear you. Uh-huh. And that, that's, what, that's why more people... 
you know, ask questions to you. Than me. <laughs> What's, I don't think that's true, but whatever. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm honest about this shit. I can deal with <laughs> the truth. I can handle whatever. the truth. <laughs> I don't know if that's so I'm true. I'm a cult I, leader now. You know, because I know that you know Jeff Beck was around long before I was, and he 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 plays a, a similar type of tone to you know like a, a a dark strat sound through a you know but the 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 thing it's so different is that i don't play anywhere the style of guitar that he plays i'm more of a jazz player so i guess you know my vocabulary makes me really different but sonically you know i think i i think that i've definitely picked up some things from jeff beck as far as just like little things like not turning the tone control on my guitar to 10 like everybody mm. that plays a Strat does. Yeah. You know, I, I I do the bright amp and turn the tone controls down, and Jeff Beck is kind of famous for doing that he too. Is. yeah. You know, because I think the guitar just sounds fatter when you turn the tones down and turn and get the trouble from the amp instead of from the guitar. So that's, that's one thing that me and Beck have in common in our tone. Right. Though, of course, I play with a pick. He uses his fingers. It's a completely different sound anyway, but... But, but the way you hold is, the pick is very finger-like, yeah, the, right? the, yeah, the way I hold the pick does sound more like your fingers than playing with the point of the pick. But, 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 but I mean, yeah. you know, and, not, and you know, not to beleaguer this point, because again, Jeff Beck ain't talking about Scott Henderson and Jim Hall and Pat Metheny ain't right. talking about me. I would st- like to take this into the world of everybody who's listening, because they're guitar players too, I don't know how much you do this. Uh, this, is, this is an exercise I do with my students. And we, we check out players, and we identify what I call their sonic signature, and we do kind of a sonic analysis, and we listen to them, what kind of equipment they play, what the qualities of their sound are, what the qualities of their playing are, and how they work, and I ask for both an analysis of what it is and how they get it, and then I ask for their aesthetic reaction to it, mm-hmm. because in that in that thing of like, yes, I dig Jeff Beck for this, but I would do it this way different. You know, this is where we as players find our voice. Mm-hmm. We're influenced by the greats, and yet we take, yet, I mean, the other day, I got to admit it, and I'm embarrassed to say this, we were listening, and we were in Germany, we're driving, and I was listening to the Coltrane's Ballad. Coltrane Ballads record, which is one of my favorite all-time records. And yet, I had some particular aesthetic disagreements with John Coltrane about certain things he was doing. Mm-hmm. That certain, certain things that he was kind of doing a lot mm-hmm. at that period of his playing mm-hmm. that I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because of the esteem I have for John Coltrane is like probably the supreme musical person of my life. And yet, there were parts that, you know, that I don't really dig. Mm-hmm. And that shapes who I am as a musician. Of course, yeah. And, and to do that, as a musician in an analytical you know analytical basis of sound and approach is totally valid and totally what we got to do take the beauty of it but be honest and say you know cuz by us looking at it from our personal perspective that then we turn the mirror around and look at ourselves and now we have an ideal to hold ourselves up to to become what we want to become right 
I, I just had a guy ask me this on the message board the other day, and it was just kind of kind of coincidental because we're talking about it now. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about, you know, having too much of someone else's playing in your playing, in his playing, where, you know, I don't want to sound like a Holsworth clone or I don't want to sound like a Kurt Rosenwinkel clone. How do I, how do I get that out of my playing because it's so embedded, because now I've listened to, you know, he didn't name, he just used those guys as an example, but he just means like, if you're a player and you've listened to somebody so much that their playing is not only embedded in how you think, but their their playing is also embedded in how you play because you've actually stolen licks from them and stolen their tone and blah 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 and now you basically sound like a clone of them how do you stop you know and 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 my answer was just like well i mean first of all you stop listening to them that's the first thing you do and then you actually have to probably do the work and undo some of that damage just start saying to yourself what are you doing that makes myself sound like him if it's a tone thing get a different tone and find something different and i told him about the time where back in the early tribal tech days where i was really influenced by holdsworth and and i was one of million guys who was young and influenced by holdsworth and and somehow we talk about him a lot yeah, but some yeah we do, but some <laughs> somehow and I don't know how it happened. I started to realize that that was happening to me, and one of the big things I did around the the nomad period, around the third record or fourth record or something, is I I got rid of the humbucking pickups oh. because playing jazz on a humbucking pickup on the neck position. I sounded like Schofield or I felt like I was trying to be Schofield because it had that sound of a humbucking on the neck position. And then when I switched to the treble position, it sounds like Holdsworth because he has a humbucking on a strat. And it just so I just went to single coils and I said I'm just going to do something totally different. I'm going to like do a blues record and just go totally traditional. And then I never went back to humbucking pickups because I didn't and somehow those two big influences who were big influences in my... I mean, John Schofield, I didn't grow up listening to Wes Montgomery or, you know, I mean, I heard him much later and, and he was an influence on me, but, but the first jazz player I think I ever heard play jazz on the guitar was John Schofield. Right. The first jazz player I ever heard in my life. So, of course, he was an influence on me. But somehow I managed to get rid of most of it, but just, just by not playing a humbucking pickup anymore. Oh. And and I didn't learn that many of his lines anyway, but still, <coughs> now when I play the rhythm pickup, I don't think sco anymore. I, I I just think I do I do my thing. I don't know what the hell that is, but it seems like those two influences, Schofield and Holsworth, have kind of disappeared from my playing somehow right. because I wanted it to happen. I didn't want to sound like either one of them. Yeah, and so somehow I managed to to not. But that and, that does happen when you get on this. If you're on the same gear and running through the same pedals, uh, you can fall yeah. into that. All right, well, if you I can. play that lick, I, I'm going to sound yeah. like this guy, and you can kind of get into that well, vibe. That's of it. my point. That yeah. tone is such a big part of it. Huge part. Because when you get a semi-distorted <clears throat> tone on your 
humbucking pickup and the neck pickup, that's Schofield's tone. Mm. That's what he does. He uses a humbucking pickup and it's mildly distorted yep. and it gets that tone. And anybody that plays a humbucking pickup on the neck pickup, it's sort of it's going to kind of have that flavor, I guess, especially if it's a 335. Yeah. Even me on a Strat, I felt it, that yeah. flavor. And anybody that puts a humbucking on a Strat and plays fusion and gets a high gain sound, a dark high gain sound, it's going to, yeah. and, and plays legato, and it starts sounding Holsworthy. Yeah. You know, it just sort of is. Yeah. So, so, yeah, and when I hear these guys, and what, and I don't want to mention any names, but there are some oh. guys who are definitely, that you know, guys that sound a lot like Holdsworth. And and I'm going, well, surely they've got to know that they're going to lose work because of that. <clears throat> because people are going to want to pay to see Alan. Not, and that's another thing, not to go on, I'm being too long-winded here. But not. I also said that it's very hard for me to separate music being being a career musician as I am, it's very hard for us t- to separate music from the paycheck that it brings in. You write your own paycheck in this business. So if I wanted to sound like Holsworth, I would probably have to write off all my gigs because no one's going to hire somebody that sounds like Holsworth. Hmm. So I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really... When I say career and paycheck, it's not like I'm trying to be more commercial to make more money, but I am trying my best to be original so that I can make money. Because if I'm not original, I won't make money. Yeah. So what it. you're saying is, <laughs> what you're saying is, if you ain't going <laughs> to sound like yourself, just hang up the goddamn phone forget so about it. So what you're saying is, I should get rid of them hollow body guitars and get my resonator out and play some bebop well, you on know it what? I, figure well, out I'll what tell, to do. I'll tell you what, you know, I'll tell you what. Okay, you tell me what. I'll tell you what. That resonator guitar sounds like a pretty original fucking thing. And if you do an album on that resonator guitar, pretty sure that nobody's ever done that before, not in a jazz context. Yeah. I think. No, and 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 I'm not doing it because... I want to make money. I'm doing it because I really love the sound. <laughs> oh, of that yeah, but thing. what if you make a ton good. of fucking money? No, money, I don't need money. What is it going to do? <laughs> well, I need money. I got a daughter in private school. <laughs> I need money. Well, yeah, I think it. I think it's a great direction that you're going in. And I've played the guitar, and it sounds bad. I want to hear this guitar, it man. I'm sure really it's cool. amazing. It's but just anyway, fun to play too. You get my point, though. That's what totally. I'm trying to say. Is no, that, no, you know, no. You, 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 and, I, and I could totally concur with you. Yet at the same time, Uh-oh. I want to introduce just a little bit more of you know burr under the saddle here. Burr under the saddle. I want to use that. I should have known that when I was picking up women. Uh, Throw a little okay. burr under the uh, saddle, make it a little uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> Y'all, you motherfuckers out there, think you sound like Alan Holdsworth, you're dreaming. You don't sound like Holdsworth. You just think you, you sound so much like him, you ain't got an original sound. That's true. <laughs> but you don't sound enough like him, anybody's going to think you're Alan Holdsworth. Yeah, that's so that's like, true. Yeah, so there's like, only one Alan. So, like, you know, it's great to be influenced by your idols but and i don't remember who said this to me i'm god i'm I wish it's probably I, one of your idols i get jazz jazz <laughs> jazz timers here um but someone once said to me or someone once told me someone said to them because this i really don't remember you gotta at some point in your life you have to kill your idols 
Mm-hmm. That was the exact. That's phrase. a pretty good statement. And right? it's really hard. So I, I can see a guitar it. wank episode when I kill you two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in your mind, you have to like say, I, I admire you. I love you. I want everything you've got. But, you know, no. I got to be, no. Mm-hmm. You can't have control of my life. And that's, I think, what that means. You know, I mean, it might have been Jimmy Cobb. Well, it's a damn good statement. I mean, know, if anybody knows true. who said that or, or can remember <laughs> if my friends who told me or remember when I said this person said this to me. Um, yeah, I, re- I remember that. Just you've, at some point in your life, you've got to kill your idols. And I mean, they didn't mean kill them. They meant, in your mind, move on. And yeah. like you, they've, they've, they, it's like your father is a big influence on your life, but someday he dies and you have to carry on and he's no longer there. And you're you and you're a big part of them, but you're you and you have to deal with the responsibilities of being in this earth, on this earth, in this business, in this world, doing your thing. Can we, can we just clarify that? Because I need to... <laughs> I'm not suggesting, like Donald Trump, that that the Secret Service should get rid of Hillary's guns or anything. And I'm not suggesting the Second Amendment people should kill any of their idols. I'm just saying that metaphorically, as a musician, there's a point where you have to realize where you have to let them go and just be yourself. And you have to make that happen because now with recordings and all the other stuff, it's easy to hold on longer than is positive for you. Is that clarified enough? See, that, that, see, that was all beautiful. And thank you, Chris, for asking that question because it took us on that whole tangent and there was lots of great stuff in there. And even though you didn't want to talk about celebrity guitarists, which is ridiculous because you are a celebrity guitarist. But it was good. That was it was great. Yeah, that was a great. Sure. That was great. I'm sure. so glad we lived. I there. learned some stuff about Jim Hall that I didn't know. So, exactly. It was know. really cool. I also heard something about Jim Hall that I didn't know, um, he, because I have to say I don't. I only have one or two of his records, and they're records where he's playing standards. Yeah. But someone told me that Jim Hall was really a great composer. He wrote a lot of cool tunes. And I'd never heard any of his tunes. So my my I've been telling myself this week I've got to go on uh, on iTunes and try to find a record where Jim Hall is playing original music because I didn't even know he was a composer. I thought he just played standards like most of the guys do, right. you know. And uh, so I didn't even know he wrote his own music. So I'm interested to hear what his compositions are like. And uh, and to his to his great um, just. You know, just to show what a great artist he was, there were you will you will find if you if you do some research of his his sound changed. He used pedals at one point. He was kind of into the chorus at that one <laughs> Really, to me, it sounded like right. shit and pathetic. Right. But uh, he used it, and you know, he got kind of really acoustic-y at one point, and went mm-hmm. back to his electric-y sound towards the end. You know, I mean, there's a lot of. And he nurtured a lot of great guitar players. Mm-hmm. He's was, you know, I can't tell you the high esteem I hold for that. Well, I do too. I mean, I, I love the records that I have of his, and I love the way he plays standards. And he's <clears throat> but very, damn it, I'm talking about him. But you know <laughs> what? Shit. But you know what? You know what? Now, now, tell me if I'm wrong. But but to me, what stands out about Jim Hall is is how melodic he played. 
very that's a big part. Really, of it. really melodic. That's a big jazz part of player. It. That's a big part of it. Uh, yeah. I don't hear a lot of chops. No, but no. I hear, but I, I hear some also, real, you know, very I melodic. also hear a lot of contrapuntal harmonic versus melodic. Uh huh. I mean, hear a lot of elements. You know, mm -hmm. yes, I would not agree, disagree with melodic, mm -hmm. but I think there's more elements than that. And if I could play you records where you would not hear melodic, you'd hear harmonic. Yeah, see, I don't have enough records to know his whole personality like I do some of my, you know, favorite guitarists. But, and I'm not saying that Jim Hall isn't one of my favorite guitarists because I really do love his playing, but I don't know much, uh, nearly as much as Bruce knows about right. his discography, and I I only have a few records, that, so um, well, I haven't studied him like Bruce, Bruce has. Now, the, besides the playing, what kind of a what kind of a bloke was he? What kind of a person was he? Was he? Oh, humble, sweet, yeah, nice, soft-spoken, generous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of an intelligent. It's, I hate him. Where was where was he from, Bruce? Where was, I, was I don't really from? know where he was from. His uh -huh. original home was the East Coast. He was East always Coast a New guy. York guy, right? East but Coast. But I don't guy. know. I mean, and, you know, he was very also very uh, intellectual. Mm -hmm. I mean, he played that Chico Hamilton music and the Jimmy Jufri. I mean, that if, if you haven't heard that music, this is I the, have this it. is the late fifties. Uh, he played with Chico Hamilton. Again, this was even before Sonny Rollins, I believe, and somebody's going to correct me or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there he was, the guitar player in a band, providing the piano function. Right, okay. And then uh, Jimmy Jufri had like a chamber group, that, the Jimmy Jufri Three, it was called, mm -hmm. and he was in that. He left Chico Hamilton to be in that band. Mm -hmm. That's where John Pisano got the Chico Hamilton game. I see. Wow, okay. and, um, Interesting. And this was like a really cool, vibey chamber thing. Jimmy Jufri was a great saxophone and clarinet player. And, uh, and some of them were with bass, and there was a record with Bob Brookmeyer on trombone where it was just this real chamber, vibey, dark, mm -hmm. luscious sound. And when was this? In the this 50s? This was the late 50s. Wow. Yeah, you should check out this. Well, what Jimmy kind of tunes were they playing? Original uh, tunes? Original, or? original kind of stuff. And it, it had a little bit of a folksiness to and it. And who wrote the music? You know, I mean, I have to go back and look. I think Jimmy Jufri wrote most uh -huh. of it. You know, it's funny. There's this I don't famous even song called the, were a... the Train in the River is, is one that I would just like go right to to okay. show you what this music yeah. is. And it's kind of got, it's kind of almost like country-ish. You know, pastor, it's pastoral. It's, a, it's, it's funny because to me, you know, just being born at the time I was born and yeah. what I grew up listening to, it's hard for me to even realize that jazz music had original music back then because yeah. because so many of the jazz musicians of the 50s and 60s were playing standards. Right. Nothing original. Right. Nothing. So to hear, even for me to hear that Jim Hall was a, was a composer and he did original music albums, that's sort of freaky to me because that's so unusual, right. you know, because most of the jazz musicians of that period didn't. They just played standards. Yeah. Well, so, again, you, what you know about it. What I know about it, right, because I don't know because that Because that is right. what people expect of it yeah. and that's what got, you know, hey, to this day, if you're on a record label in jazz... And you've got original music. The record label is going to push you to do some standards, uh -huh. because that's what the DJs will play, and it gives the the audience right. a member a chance to like, oh, 
I've heard this person play this standard, and I've heard this person play this standard. So when I hear this person play this standard, oh, I get an idea from where this person's coming yeah. from. In anything original, like in jazz, it's, you can't understand what the hell's happening. Right. And <clears throat> anything original makes it that much more avant-garde to right. the listener, even if the tune's dead simple and exactly. not avant-garde. Exactly. To the audience, it's avant-garde because they've never heard it Right, before. right, exactly. Right. So, right. so there's a lot of pressure on jazz musicians to record sure. standards. I think so there still why, is. Yeah, there, no, <laughs> yeah, there that's, still uh, is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, what you know is because of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. But this band, Jimmy Jufri, and all y'all should check it out. And remember I mentioned the jazz at Newport? Yeah. At mm-hmm. some point, I think it was John was here. Yeah. Jimmy Jufri's band was on that, right? Mm-hmm. On that oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Well, I remember, I just remember, and I think I've told this story before, going to see Dave Liebman at the Jazz Bakery and expecting to hear Dave Liebman in what I consider Dave Liebman to usually do, playing standards and taking them really out, because that's kind of his thing. But I was shocked to see this band with Vic Juris on guitar, and and uh, I believe it was Mark Marco. I, I now I can't remember the name of the drummer, but but um, great great drummer. You sure when Jamie Haddad? No, it was no. Okay. I can't remember. I heard that band. Man, but. The compositions were really good. Great writing, great ensemble, and just the way that texturally everybody handled their part in the band just complemented the music. And the first thought that went into my head is that I guarantee you these guys have been playing these same tunes for at least two or three years. Because you could tell that that much work had gone into... You could tell it was like... A real band playing tunes, and those tunes had grown and become what they had become because of been played many, many times in many different ways. And it was a, it was just a, a shocker for me because I expected sort of a free for all, right. you know, like okay, here we go, Mister PC, let's take it out as we possibly can, and that's going to be the gig. And right. I was so surprised to see such a, a an amazing compositional night of music. And still with great improvisation moments, too, with Dave. Dave was killing, and so was Vic. Right. I mean, some of Vic's solos were just fucking incredible. Yeah. What a great guitar player he is. Oh, definitely. I mean, what a, a motherfucker. He was one of our Vic first, first Wikipedias. Yeah. Vic Juris is a badass. Yeah, I total. mean, a total badass. Yeah. And, and not only uh, as a single line player, but the way he orchestrated this, this music... I mean, it was almost like it was his band because you know when the guy, the whoever the keyboard player, or the guitar player is, plays a very big role in 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 the music, you know, because he's doing all the harmony and making all the harmony for this music to happen, and yeah. did it in such an incredibly fucking incredible musical way that all the voicings, all the harmonics, all the little Lenny Broisms that he brought into the thing, you know, just he just really nailed it. Like it couldn't have been any better, and I was just blown away by that 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 gig. One of the better gigs I've ever seen. Wow! And 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 it, exactly not what I expected. Yep. From because I've seen Dave Liebman play so many times where it was just let's call a tune and and you know here we go Stella, <laughs> and and then just take it as out as possible. Right. <laughs> and so it was cool to see him in that in that format. It was awesome. Next question, please. Wow. wow. That, was, that was a good one. Thank you, guys. Um, Doug Martin says, uh, 
He says, <laughs> as Scott starts his rant off with, I don't want to name any names, but... <laughs> it's like he's known me all my life. <laughs> well, I think Scott should start naming names, damn it. That's what he's saying here. <laughs> I think so too. I don't want to. I do have that. a shirt, and I've. I, he said, "I've bought a. He's bought a guitar wank shirt, and he's bought four of Bruce's videos." Whoa! Right. Get the f- what, man? And man. I'll be ordering well, Scott's I just videos say, too. What you don't like the fifth one? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Look at that, DougMartinGuitar.com. Check out DougMartinGuitar.com. That's. That I think cool. Scott should name names too. I I don't yeah, not name Scott, names. Yeah, Scott, we gotta you gotta you gotta start saying it, man. Like, why not? Right. Well, okay, I'll name a name. How about Donald Trump? You low life piece of shit. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Okay, I wonder why. Have you ever watched blues guitar videos without the sound? <laughs> what? <laughs> Blues guitar videos and, 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 and everybody's going to know who I'm talking about on Facebook right now. But just watch the blues guitar videos without the sound and tell me what you think. I don't know who we're talking. Uh, it's about. almost like it's almost like you're watching somebody who's got like heartburn or yeah. I know I, or, I did one of those videos or, one time or, where I'm making all kinds know, of faces and yeah, they're having they're having an epileptic seizure or something. Yeah. I know. Anyways, that's, I'm not naming names, but I, I am. I am naming a genre, so that that works. I just happened to watch one today. I was just kind of clicking on Facebook. Maybe it was one of the boring things that Scott was ranting about, and I, I just kind of and and I saw a blues video very of a very popular blues guitar, and he was like hipping his thing about his like gear and his whole thing, and he was playing some tune about it, and I was just watching, it, of course, without sound. It really, it really looked like he was passing a kidney stone. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My God. Mike Handelman. Mike Handelman. Thanks, for Mike. He's a big fan of the show. He's really inspiring. He says, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Big blah, man. blah, blah. He says that. Bring the road show to New York. We'd love to. That'd be oh, cool. Oh man! Awesome. Where would we? I'll where would we do it right in New York? Iridium, 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 mm-hmm. Lincoln Center. What? Dizzy's Club Coca Cola. We could do it there, man. Mm. Shit. We need people to help us make Joe's, that happen. Joe's, 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 Joe's Tavern on the Green, man. What the hell? Let's do the uh, the Algonquin, that room that in the in the Carlisle Hotel. What the fuck? Let's do it all. Right, all I'll right. take Manhattan, Bronx, and Staten Island too. Here's a specific Alan Holtzworth question. <laughs> you guys don't even know that song, so you have no right to laugh. <laughs> no, I'm reading the question. Oh, you're a Holdsworth thing. Oh, fuck. Uh, there we go again. I'm not Jesus a, you Christ, know, of all the people, you know, you'd think John McLaughlin or George Benson or Wes Montgomery would, but mm-hmm. Alan Holdsworth has become that guy. That's really yeah. cool. I yeah. think that's great. We should give Alan a, an award. <laughs> We're going to give Alan an award. I'm going to make it really Send cheap. him at least a cup or something. <laughs> we'll send him a mug. <laughs> he better listen to the show at some point. I mean, for fuck's sake. He so might be listening right now. He probably not. We're not talking about beer enough. He sounds like he's a big beer guy. He's a pretty big beer guy. Who's who? Who do you want to go on tour with as their tech? Because he, they were touring all the places where all the great beer was. I forget who it was. 
Someone told me that. I saw it in a documentary. Um, Scott, in your early recordings with Jeff Berlin, you sounded very Holdsworth. Well, there you oh. go. But it's true, though. I, I did. That's, that's during the time where I was first getting into fusion guitar. Had, and, and Holdsworth was kind of like, I really had him up as my idol of, of, of guitar players. I mean, I, that, that yeah, is right. the period of time where I sounded the most like Alan Holdsworth is probably on that Jeff Berlin record. Even I listened to a, mm-hmm. a lot of Holdsworth and, and, and I loved and him. That, 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 I loved and I do sound derivative of Alan Holdsworth on that record. Not wrong with that. You know, it's not something I'm really actually very proud of because I think it sounds pretty too close to, to Alan. But no, there are my own Scottisms there. You know, I mean, you can definitely tell it's me and not Alan. But there are. It's a little bit too close for my for my personal taste. You know, I wish I had have known what I know now back then. I wouldn't have done that. But yeah, he, he's right. So what's his question? It's it just or no, is it just, he just wants to point that ball. out. Well, point that out and I, make I, me feel bad. No, he says. Uh, I, I he says. Um, then how did you evolve into your own thing later in Tribal Tech? But you've kind of, I think you've kind of already kinda, yeah, that. answered that, kind of. Bruce, yeah. was a particular player earlier on, uh, in, early on you intimidated and had to deliberately evolve away from not to sound a derivative of? He's asking you if there was there a guy that you idolized that you had to get away from so that you didn't Thank sound sure, too much Sure, sure, sure. Who was that? Well, on on guitar or just in general? On guitar. On guitar. On guitar, George Benson and Wes Montgomery. Got to get George on the show. And 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 Barney. Barney Barney, Barney was different. Barney, my relationship, it was more like a father. I mean, like, we shared musical concepts and we agreed on aesthetic things, but I didn't really sound like him. I mean, there was lots of him that I admired so much and lots of him that I, you know, didn't want to be like right away. Now, tell us, are you going to get mad if I ask you to tell us a little bit about Barney Kessel? Not. Why would I get mad about that? Well, (laughs) that's weird. (laughs) Because I'm a hypocrite, you mean? No, because you don't like talking about celebrity guitarists. Well, because he's not celebrity enough. He is. Bunny Kessel's a name. He's yeah, a, but he's he's been gone for a long time. All right. Well, what was Bunny Kessel to you? Like you, you said, he was a father figure. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah, he he. Early in my life, he always loved me. He came through San Francisco. He heard me. He knew me in New York. He heard me. He, there was a, a thing that George Ween, he's the big festival jazz promoter in in the Europe. Right. He did a thing where he wanted to have like, he did where like a established guy would pick a young guy and then you'd go do the tour. Yep. And uh, you know, like a horn player would pick another young horn player to come out and play. And Barney picked me to go around and play some gigs with him on this big festival. Well, was that a big deal to you back then? What do you think? Um, yeah, um, but um, I wanted to. I want to yeah, hear how you I mean, felt. Yeah, of course it was great, and we got to hang out and we share. And you know, and he and I found out why he liked my playing, right? What he liked about it, and I share with him what I, you know, what my what I was inspired by, and we became close, and we were close throughout our throughout our lives till he passed. You know? Wow! And I'm still very close now to his widow. Yep, she's a dear friend of mine. 
And yeah, Barney, you know, conceptually, and I, it's funny, the playing-wise, not as much as the conceptual. Yep. As if that makes sense. The way to approach music, to like, when you have time, you arrange it. When you don't have time, you make up an arrangement, but you still arrange it. You know, you give music a lot of thought. Strategy is a big part of the performance. Right. If that makes sense. It's not just stream of consciousness. Just play whatever you want and you're done. Whatever you do now affects what you do next, affects what you do next. And when you get to the end, what you did at the beginning, is it's all part of a story. And it's, it, it comes straight out of Count Basie, really, and Ahmad Jamal, which, which, of course, was big with Ray Brown and Oscar Peterson. There's this, that, that whole school. And I was very inculcated into that world, and I very much agreed with that. And, so the, and I still believe in that, and I still teach that way, that we need to be cognizant and aware of what's happening and be present regardless of whether we're making it up on the spot or whether we're writing it. Right. And, and, and you can start with the big picture, which is an arrangement of a song, but you can also micro, you know, get into like even a melodic line. How it's got to have a beginning, it goes somewhere and it ends, and the next thing that happens has to have context with that. It's storytelling. Mm. And it's a big part of that whole school of thought. And Barney was a stickler for that. And I had numerous conversations with, he was very opinionated. Was he? He would tell you, oh yeah. And there was music that he didn't like that I really did. Like? Like John Coltrane. Okay. Uh... Like, we both love Bird. We're both coming out of that. And Count Basie and all that. And Oscar Peterson and Ray Brown. But he didn't really like Coltrane a lot. And we talked about it. And I explained to him what I liked about it. What I thought, you know, I thought he was missing in mm-hmm. his, in his uh, opinion of it. And, he, and to his credit, you know, because here I am, a 20-year-old kid, you know, talking to a grandmaster... And he really, because we, one of the gigs, there's this guy named Billy Harper, a great horn player, who had a band that was kind of like post-Coltrane-influenced music. And I was pointing out to him how, you know, what the point of it was and how it's all structured, you know, because it wasn't structured the same way music. And he sat there, to his credit, and, I, and we never really shared to me whether or not he ended up liking it or not. But we sat there that night listening to the music, and he studied it. I've never seen anybody study the music, like listen to it and just check out the elements like he did. And he walked away going, like, respect. I could tell there was respect there, whether there was like, you know, aesthetic liking of it. I don't know about that. He never shared that with me. But I know he sat there and he got what I was talking about, about how it's just a different kind of structural, different way to build the energy, different, the idea of, you know, how tension and harmony worked and stuff in that context of that type of music. So I just can't say that, you know, I can't believe, first of all, I had the balls to even say that to him. And second (laughs) of all, I can't believe that he had the open-mindedness to go down that road with it. And I only wish we'd talk more about it. Let me ask you a question. When, he's, when you're talking about him listening to Coltrane, 
What period of Coltrane are you talking about? Well, okay, the period that I was talking about because this was the music we were listening to was like the Love Supreme, post-Love oh, Supreme. Oh, that stuff, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not like the standards, him no, playing no, no, standards. Because no, 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 no. I'm sure he could appreciate that. Yeah, he did, but he still didn't like his approach to playing. Uh-huh. He didn't. Why? Because um, it was too... felt it was what? too diatonic. It was, you know, it was uh-huh. very diatonic versus birds, was more altered, and uh-huh. uh, he didn't like his sound, uh-huh. and he felt it was just too technical. It wasn't, I see. It wasn't lyrical and storytelling. And I see, okay. But, in which, but, and I pointed out my feelings that I thought it was. Yeah, I wouldn't this. agree with him there, but I do see why a player from that era would listen to Love Supreme and go, what the fuck is this? You know, but even that's the earlier stuff, thing, I see what know. his point was, and I tried to point out to him he had right. carved into a completely different way to create a lyric. Yeah, I got style. it. But I, I would just, I could totally understand how he would hear like a Love Supreme <laughs> yeah, and go, "This is from another planet." Well, right? not just another planet, just like nothing happening. You know, yeah. and it's not nothing happening. And and I don't think he spent enough time. I think he just kind of sure you know, out of hand, disregard it. And, and I just yeah. pointed it out, what I thought. And I'm not so sure he agreed with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going there. You know, right. I'm not going to put words in Barney Kessel's mouth. I would never mm-hmm. do that. But I do know, and this is where my huge respect comes from, is he did check it out from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would disregard it at the end. He never told me. Mm-hmm. But I got the feeling like he respected it. I don't know if he liked it right. <clears throat> at that point. Right. And, and, you know, and that's a, and he was one of the most opinionated, tough motherfuckers you mm-hmm. ever meet. And, uh, and, you know, and, and, and really so much, every time I go to play a song, he's there, mm-hmm. you know, reminding me, this is a song you're going to play. If you're going to make it up or if it's arranged, all the things apply. You introduce it. You you set it up. You it goes on a journey. You, right. you remember what's happened. You play in context. Mm-hmm. If you choose to deviate from the path, it's because you chose to deviate from the path, not just because you just didn't give a shit enough to pay attention. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Sure. And I love that attention to detail and that amount of in- integrity that he demanded. Of himself and others, mm-hmm. there's just no, there's that's that kind of influence is huge. Sure. Yeah, I remember. I I had teachers. I remember that were really, you know, very set into listening to certain types of music, especially older jazz. You know, and I would turn them on to new things, and sometimes. They, I would see them like you know there were those amazing times where they were going thanks so much for turning me on to this because I love this this is amazing right. I'm so happy and then other times where you could go yeah they might respect it and they know that these good music these guys are good musicians but they still don't like it yeah well that's, but that's okay too that's totally you know okay. but it's fine but but it's just it was really gratifying to be able to turn people on to new stuff that taught me everything I know, that I respected these people so much. Right. And I was able to turn them on to something that they'd and never heard do, before and, you know, and they and really that, liked and, it. And to me, that is one of the most gratifying parts of teaching. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, of course, there's the being able to share with somebody and see them grow. Mm-hmm. That's of the most rewarding part. And to feel of, to be a value in their lives. Mm-hmm. 
but to have them bring new things to me mm-hmm. because their ears are fresh and young and they're aware of shit yeah. and I'm not. They're in a different yeah. world. That is also a just a huge rewarding aspect of yeah it, it absolutely is it can be i i it doesn't happen enough but <laughs> well you know i mean it does a lot for me yeah, i gotta it, say it, it doesn't it really do, does not, a lot not for me too much but but i can understand because your students are a lot more advanced than mine well, well you know i mean so so that's a different more well resourced perhaps yeah. as well Hey, where have you been? <laughs> you can't just fucking take off and just whenever you feel like it. Uh, hey, you know, I just thought I'd let you guys a, just he had a chat. Paper, and... He had a paper route. He had to go to <laughs> <laughs> romanticize about you, everything. <laughs> well, I, I love that you brought up Barney Kessel because that's a name that I grew up knowing and listening to, but I didn't know the personal side of that. And he seems like a kind of guy. He was. He said he was pretty. Opinionated and oh, extremely. <laughs> I love it. Extremely funny sense of humor. Yeah, of funny in a weird way. Right, yeah, but yes, funny. Very funny. Very full of life. Uh, I wish you were still here. And what? What do you think made you gravitate towards him? More importantly, what I don't. What made him gravitate towards me is, you know, I don't know. He must have heard that I had a similar sensibility, you know, or ability to comprehend what he valued in music. I assume because there's a lot of great players my age that he could have picked to do that, and he chose me. Um, I know what I loved about him. You know, it's just like I say, his attention to detail, his 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 just complete musicality. You know, his, yeah. his dedication to it, his seriousness, his integrity. It's 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 life affirming. This is pretty badass. Um, this is from Aaron, um, and he said he loves the podcast. It seems like a running theme tonight. We've got. I don't know. Well, I would like to hear from somebody that hates the podcast. <laughs> but then again, they're probably it's not starting listening. to get boring. Um, no, thank you so much. I have a question for you guys. What are your? And this is a tough one. What are your top 10 favorite albums? If you can keep it at 10, who are you listening to? Oh, and who are you listening to right now? I know hard. this is a toe too hard. It's, it's really me, hard. But just I mean, just blurt out 10. You, don't can't, think- you can't because there's two. I could name 10 albums in every mini genre of, of, of music. You know, 10 favorite opera albums, 10 favorite Broadway musical albums, 10 favorite All cowboy right, look, albums, then, 10 favorite rock and roll albums, 10 favorite metal albums, 10 favorite jazz albums, 10 favorite fusion albums, <laughs> Do I need to go on? Oh, all right. No, what? but you're a desert island and you can only get 10 to take with you. Oh, uh, well. Ah, oh, shit, man. That's fucking hard. All right, well, just give me. It doesn't have to be your top 10, but just maybe 10 name that rec- you. Th- name a record you like. Yeah. Well, I've been listening to Weather Report Tailspinning a lot. That's a, Of late? Of the, yeah, I mean, I really love that record. It's just a great. It's one of the first really amazing weather report records where Wayne is just on fire and there's a lot of improvisation going on. Yeah. They hadn't really gotten into their super composition stage yet, you know. There was still a lot of blowing and a lot of a lot of loose. But the great the, the, the cool thing about it is the tunes are great. They're just looser than the later weather report tunes. Right. You know how many so, albums so did those a, guys release? Well, at least 
15 or 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. But Tailspin is one of the tailspin. best ones. I mean, yeah. if you want to just hear from them blowing, I mean, Wayne Shorter plays his ass off on yeah. that record. And that's one of my favorite Weather Report records. That's pre-Jocko. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is Alfonso, Alfonso Johnson. Yeah. Yep. And and uh, and uh, um, drummer was Ndugu. And uh, it's actually the second version of the record because Joe told me they did the record with another drummer and they didn't like the way it came out, so they decided to scrap the whole thing and redo it with Ndugu, and that became the record. So it's wow. actually number two. Yep. But that's the record, and it's badass. Man. Yep. It's just one of the best Weather Report records ever. Wow. And, uh, and, Is, and then, you know, there are a couple more Weather Report records I would also go for, like 830, which is one of Jocko's best, uh, you know, performances, and also Wayne, and all, that's a really great composition. You know, that's the, the, the album with, you know, Fast City and, and, um, and, and, uh, and Night Passage. Did I, did, what album did I just say? Tailspin. Tailspin, yeah. No, but after that, I named an album. 830? No, it's not 830. I'm sorry. I meant to say Night Passage. Night Passage, okay. Night Passage, yeah. Night Passage is a a real, you know, and of course there's Heavy Weather, and Heavy Weather was an amazing album too. Yeah. So those those three are probably my favorite Weather Report records, though there are many more that I love. Yeah. And then I'll try to pick three, what? I did three Fusion records. So I'll try to pick three rock records. Yeah, give me like three Led rock. Zeppelin II. Okay, classic. Great you know, record. fucking great, great fucking record. Yeah. Um, Jimi Hendrix um, Band of Gypsies. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, best tone because he wasn't with that fucking guy. That Kramer. I can't. Yeah, Eddie Kramer. <laughs> fucking fuck that guy. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, because Eddie Kramer was not associated with Jimmy's tone, <laughs> man, that tone sounds good on that record. That is a really amazing sounding Hendrix album. Just the tone, the playing, the whole attitude is just incredibly burning. Yeah. Way ahead of its time. You know, the audience kind of went over the audience's head. As you can tell, the audience is a little bit disturbed. Because they're just playing <laughs> in such a, a way beyond their time way yeah. on that record. The audience just, it's almost like a jazz gig. And the audience just can't handle it. They're just like, what, he would, what Hendrix would have been. He would have been all about yeah. jazz. But yeah, no. what, what, what is this? So, yeah. Um, well, I just named three, five records. So, Bruce, you do five, I guess. Okay, okay. Um, a lot of these aren't going to have guitar players on them, like Scott's. Um, Free for All, Art Blakey. Mm-hmm. You want to hear jazz exploding off the off the vinyl, and definitely check out the vinyl. Don't get the CD. Cause, okay. Because because the difference in sound is amazing. Free for All. When they remastered the the record, well, who played on it? That's the Art Blakey band with Cedar Walton, Freddie Hubbard, Wayne Shorter. Curtis Fuller and Reggie Workman and it's just it's just such a beautiful the hard bop energy playing Forest Flower live at Monterey Jazz Festival with Charles Lloyd and Keith Jarrett and Jack DeJanet and Cecil McBee that's another record that's just mind-blowingly brilliant I just love it uh, for guitar you really you know I know everybody likes smoking at the half note and I do too 
I kind of like the incredible jazz guitar of Wes Montgomery. It's just sounds kind of sucko, but the playing and just the rawness of it. And his solo on Gone with the Wind is maybe the best guitar solo ever recorded, I think. Uh, that's one I couldn't live without. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, shit. There's so many that I just, you know. The bridge, because of, of like I say, the sheer just earth-shattering moment that guitar emerged as a rhythm section instrument in a jazz combo with Sonny Rollins and Jim Hall. That's another record I I wouldn't I would really hate to be without. I love this record called I Just Dropped By to Say Hello. It's a Johnny Hartman singing, Hank Jones on piano, which is some of the best vocal accompanists I ever heard. And there's two guitar players on that record, both Kenny Burrell and Jim Hall. Uh, Elvin Jones on drums. That's just an unbelievable record. But I mean, you're just like, I could go through, I could just, it's just ridiculous. There's, there's so much brilliance in this world. And that's just jazz, you know, I mean, um, I could show you classical music, Django Reinhardt, you know, I mean, I'm just like feeling, I feel guilty for saying those things because of all the things I'm leaving out. Yeah. Django, Charlie Christian playing with Benny Goodman. You know, that record that they did Flying Home, it was just like, it never, it never will get any better. Louis Armstrong, West End Blues. Yeah. Shit. That was it. Everything we play, you hear it in that one cadenza he plays. He plays like... Man, that's... That is like everything that modern jazz has encompassed. He did it in like 16 bars. How could you leave that out? I mean, it just goes on and on. It's a brilliant, wonderful thing that we're all part of here. You know, that's all I can say. Wow. Well, he listed how many records? Five or six? Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say Sorry. probably... Um, Did I go over my limit? No, no, you didn't. And I'm just trying to think now because, see, when it, see, I have the same problem you have when it comes to jazz records because there's just too many. But like, I mean, like, I can, I can pick a Johnny classic Mitchell rock records, record, Carol King records, and James Taylor records, and Paul Simon records. I, I don't feel that way about them, though. Oh, I do. I don't. I don't. I, I, when, when it comes to groups and bands and rock and fusion and stuff like that, I can pick one or two records and be satisfied. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to straight ahead jazz, there's like forty. Yeah. That I could. True. I can't even. You right. know. I, there's just too many. There's just too many. I mean. Because the, they all have, maybe it's because it's a more dense kind of music, and there's so much more going on from the beginning of the record to the end of the record that you, once you get used to hearing it, I'm not trying to say jazz sound all jazz sounds alike, <laughs> <laughs> but it does because it's what I'm kind of saying. <laughs> you know, all I gotta say is one thing about yeah. jazz music. <laughs> And I'm going to, you know, one thing about jazz music, it's much better than it sounds. <laughs> well, it's just that, it's just that these straight ahead jazz records, man, you, you, once you start listening to them and once you know all the lines in your head and stuff, 
man, it's really hard to get to, 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 there's too many that I, that I've heard. I can't really name one without seemingly taking away from another, Mm. you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a Benson album called Benson and Farrell. Oh yeah. You know, George Benson and Joe Farrell. It's just, man, I've heard that thing so many times and I just can't get enough of it. But then there's so many other George Benson albums that are amazing. Right. You know, I don't have the, the smoking at the what? Uh, smoking at the half note? I don't have that, but That's I have West three record, songs but of it off Best of West Montgomery, yeah. which I have like, there's several Best of which Mo- West Montgomery records, and I don't know which one I have, but the one I have is pretty badass, and it does have tunes from that right. album. And that's and, the one that everybody quotes, but to me, I just, I mean... I find myself listening more to the incredible jazz guitar, mm-hmm. which is probably has a couple tunes on mm-hmm. that same record you've got. Well, um, yeah, it, you know it's not as well recorded. Mm-hmm. Different rhythm section, but Wes. I mean, to yeah. me, I don't know. The solo on "Gone with the Wind" is enough to just. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have that. Oh, yeah. I got to hear that. But now that. there's a record um, that I love: Miles Davis Nefertiti. Oh, I love man. that record. I love that record. I mean, that's such a but how classic. Can you, how can you say that and not ESP? That's what I'm saying. You know, because <laughs> or Miles Smiles. Oh, Miles Smiles. You know, Shit. I mean, because all of these records, they're all so good. I mean, it's it's like you can't name one without no one's not any better than the other. Someday one. my prince will come. Jesus. Yeah. Christ, I mean, I'm yeah. Dead. Or or there's a there's a there's a whole uh, um, there's a VSOP record that is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, with the original VSOP right, group, right, which yeah. was just... You know, I heard that band. I heard really? in, in New York in like 76, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard, I heard them play live. I heard the, um, the recreation of it with, uh, that was in L.A. when it was Wayne and Herbie and Ron Carter, and I believe it was Tony Williams, I think, right. still. Yeah. yeah. And, and I heard that quartet. Was it Wallace Roney? Or was no, it? there was no trumpet player. Uh, it was just Wayne, Herbie bass and drums ah. and it was a brilliant concert it was just ridiculous man right. just I loved them. it i heard them in new york in 76 mm-hmm. the bicentennial newport festival the first michael brecker album is a really good jazz album i'm not really sure what it's called i think it's just called michael brecker yeah. and it's really some beautiful playing tony tony what's his name the piano player um um the young kid Played acoustic piano with Brecker for quite a while. Um, he was in, um, I can't remember. Joey, you mean? Joey, sorry. Joey uh, Yes, yeah. yes. And he plays brilliantly on this record. Just sounds really great. Oh, and uh, Yeah, he's awesome. And, it, it, you know, that's, first couple of Michael Brecker albums I really like a lot. They're really good. Billy Cobham Spectrum. That's such a that's such a landmark fusion record, you know, with Jan Hammer, Tommy Bolin, and also Ma Vishnu Orchestra Birds of Fire is a big fusion, big kind of like, wow, here it is. This is what fusion's supposed to be mm-hmm. about. You know, you gotta give it to John, man. He came up with a sound that no one had ever heard before and never will hear again. Yeah. I mean that combination of musicians, uh uh, uh, McLaughlin and Jan Hammer and Billy Cobham and Jerry Goodman and and uh, R- Rick Laird, I believe the bass player's name. I mean, that was just an unholy original sound. Right. And just nothing that ever came before it sounded anything like that. It was a 
so new and and to mix those influences indian with jazz with rock and wow i mean that just kind of blew everybody away and, and, and for them to come out on stage and have those kind of chops on those instruments if you weren't blown away by the sheer chops alone right. the music was incredibly hip yeah and uh yeah it was it was a mind-blowing band just really was so yeah that i'd have to put that in as a top 10 and i've just because i always listen to it and i just love it you know then there are some classic jeff beck records that are that are really good the orange album right going down and you know there's some really really classic stuff so, um so i'm not hearing much culture club or you know Boy George. Boy, Boy George. George. Yeah. No, I can't think of that. No. <laughs> City Lopper. Do you guys have any... Have, Girls just want to have fun. Uh, do you have any straight-ahead pop stuff where you just like, yeah, all right. I like Beyonce's first well, record. Well, yeah, I know Beyonce. You're you a know, Beyonce. Like, I, I love am, Beyonce's I am first record. Earth, Wind, and Fire freak. Really? I love them. I like them, too, a lot. I mean, they have some great, great, great <laughs> tunes, man. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I can't think of and one Chicago, particular... No, but, you know, I, mean, I liked in the early days, but the later stuff with Bill Champlin, you know, mm -hmm. After the Love is Gone and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that was brilliant. I can't name certain albums of Earth, Wind, and Fire I like any more than others, though. I'm trying to think of one that I liked more, the most. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and granted, I don't even know enough about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't either. It, I, I love it I know death. them more by the tune, I, you know, and I yeah. love it to death. In the same way as Tower Power, I'm a oh, big right. Tower sure. Power fan, yeah. but I can't name certain. I guess the What Is Hip album mm -hmm. is, is, you know, because that's got What What Is Hip and Soul Vaccination and Squib Cakes on the same record. Right. That's a pretty badass record, man. Right. I think that might be their first record. It might know. be. It's just called Tower of Power. Right. And I think that's got what is hip and soul vaccination. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, that was something that you'd never heard before. Like all of a sudden, boom, here we are in your face. And it was like, whoa, fuck. You know, that's some scary shit. Yeah. I mean, that's something that came along and just hit everybody and just knocked you down like Ma Vishnu did and like yeah. Weather Report did. Yeah, seriously, you never heard anything like that before. <laughs> so I wow! Went, I went and saw um. This is completely different. I went, went and saw ELO at the Hollywood Bowl the other week. Uh -huh. Jeff Lynn, yeah, who produced the Beatles and Traveling Wilburys and mm -hmm. George Harrison. Oh, Beatles, we didn't even mention them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's like yeah, kind of like. What have they done lately? Yeah, like, like Abbey Road, we didn't even mention that or any of them. <laughs> but you can't. But yeah, it's just um, <laughs> I think we get the gist of it. So what? But what's the last thing you listen to? Last thing? Yeah, we listened to Provav by Charlie Parker. Oh, you guys were. That's right. You went the. We were just, we were just, just riding listening over. To that's that. what we yeah, did. That's right. Yeah, we were listening I, to yeah, that. I see. I'm on a different page. And we were listening to Kirky Fletcher play some blues. Yeah, oh, I you think were? That, my Kirky Fletcher might have been after that. Yeah, we played. We played some Kirky and Fletcher Albert live King. at the Baked Potato. Then we listened to. Uh, 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 laundromat Blues, Albert King. Yeah. He was killing. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to tell you what I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie Minogue does not count. Um, <laughs> this guy... 
Javasio, gorgeous. He, this is the guy that has Mel, Melmstein lives a few blocks from my house in North mm-hmm. Miami. I always see him at the supermarket and Ace, <laughs> and Ace Hardware. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Mel. Oh, really? <laughs> and Ace Hardware. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard Ingve Malmsteen's name mentioned in the same sentence with Ace Hardware. Yeah. I always see him at the supermarket. <laughs> That's fucking funny. That's great, isn't it? I wanted that. Ingve Malmsteen and Ace Hardware. And the supermarket. Live. <laughs> Can you imagine going on a Sunday to get something you see Ingve in the and trying to get some bolts or something in the the hardware mm. store. That's I don't know if this guy's fucking with us or not, but I, that's brilliant. <laughs> that reminds me absolutely of that. brilliant. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this just reminds me of a funny story because Dave Goldblatt, keyboard player for Tribal Tech, was working for Martin Short for a little while. Oh, really? And Martin Short told him a funny story where he said he was shopping at Walmart. I mean, not Walmart, Walgreens. He was in Walgreens, and Steve Martin called him. Right? Because, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, Martin, it's Steve. What's up? He says, hey, I'm at Walgreens right now. Can I call you back in just a few minutes? And Steve said, yeah, call me after your gig. <laughs> we hope you are enjoying today's Guitar Wank Halloween special podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Diodario Guitar Strings, Jimmy Dunlop Guitar Picks, My Music Masterclass, Sennheiser Microphones, Sir Guitars and Amps, Wire World Pro Audio Cables, Exotic Pedals. Until next week, we hope to see you again. <laughs> You get off your shift. Yeah. I love Steve. <laughs> that guy's quick, man. Yeah, I mean, no. That's really uh, great shit, man. Man, we this lost a, this a cup. right off the top of your head. <laughs> it reminds me, we lost Gene Wilder. That was I loved Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, me too. So fucking man. badass. Me too. Just the best. What a monster. The best. Um, here's one from Mike. So what was what was the thing about Ingve? Does that he go just, any further? He, no, he just says <laughs> that's it. I, I, Ingve lives down the road from me in North Miami, and I run into him at the supermarket and Ace Hardware. <laughs> well, that was and that was it. There was no. Well, you know what? It was great. <laughs> yeah. We need to send. I don't know if that definitely is created some comedy there. That's. <laughs> This is Mike, and Mike says, I currently perform in a music, uh, perform in a musical in the food court at a local amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what's your favorite food oh, in the food they, court? It gets better. What's your favorite restaurant in the food court? I'm having trouble keeping the audience engaged. <laughs> Because they're looking around at all the places to, to eat, trying to figure out where they want to eat. I think he needs to go with falafel, Mike. <laughs> you know what? I had the same problem just the other day at the Glendale Gallery in the food court, man. There was the Brazilian place, and then there's the Japanese, and then, then there's Subway. He, he says, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping the audience engaged with the food and the coasters going on. But... I'm thinking of moving down a few <laughs> rungs until the show is
Oh, that's great. <laughs> so great, man. That's a great letter. <laughs> oh, they get spit off. Okay, keep going. He says, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of moving down a few rungs on the showbiz ladder and becoming a jazz musician. <laughs> to master entertaining smaller crowds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd stay with the food court, man. <laughs> he I'm said, telling you. <coughs> oh, my God. Any tips? Oh, Mike, thank you so much for that. That was amazing. That was, that was really great. good. And Mike, you, you, you need to come on the show. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was really good, man. He was asking for tips. I think you should stay in the food court. Yeah, I would stay in the food court. <laughs> oh, wow. Ah, well, <laughs> maybe, no, maybe try the maybe try the bathroom. <laughs> I think that the, you you get a much much more you know like directed audience. They're quiet. They you know they're not talking to each other. You know and they won't even look at each other in the bathroom. So that's kind of maybe he ought to go for that. Oh man, that I'm going to make a suggestion and say that if you ever are at the Glendale Galleria <laughs> and you're in the food court. My vote is the the Middle Eastern food, the 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 Greek place, because they have ke- chicken kebabs that are awesome. They're really, really, really yeah, they're really <laughs> good. I mean, that place is awesome. Yeah, that's oh. where that's where I always go. That's my pick of the food court at the Glendale Galleria for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurting after that one. That was, that was that, a good one. That was a good one. Please say something. This is from Tommy Rajgawaga. I don't know what his last name is. Please say something about your fellow Australian, Mr. Gumbali. Something. I don't know what to say about Frank Gumbali. He sweeps well. He's got great nice sweeper. shoes. Right? He's got mm. nice shoes. Yeah. He plays... He's got a lot of chops. He's got a lot of chops. He looks, he looks better than what he used to. He looked really bad there for a long time. The tight leather pants and the, the mullet. Wasn't a good look. That was a wig, I think. Oh, was it? He's yeah. You know, there's a band called Frank Gambale's Wig. <laughs> really? They're, they're a punk band. Yeah, they play around LA. <clears throat> wow. Well, you know, I mean, you got to hand it to him. Somebody's named their band after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, 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 that's some notoriety that I'll never get to. I, Bruce, do you want me to name my band after you? Okay, go ahead. The Bruce Foreman, uh, but. The, what would I call it? The Bruce, Bruce Foreman's Form- balls. <laughs> you can call it Scott Henderson's kidney stone. <laughs> no, because then I'd be just like star fucking, celebrity guitar fucking. And, you know, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Sure you will. <laughs> when we're dead, you're going to ride this pony. Oh, all, gonna oh, you're going to ride this pony all the way to the thousand. I'm going to milk this train. <laughs> I'm gonna this, field, ca- this field train is going to take you all the way to $1,000. <laughs> I'm going to catch that $1,000 and go straight to Vegas, baby. Yeah. <laughs> really loving the podcast. You guys have the only show where you really talk like fucking guitar players. Definitely the most talented old lesbian couple with a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's that's nice. This is long. We're getting some really lovely emails. <laughs> it's really great. Keep them coming, folks. Did he have a Did he have a question? Uh, no, he's just shared a lot. No, of stuff he's just he's just helping us. Sharing out. the love. Thank you. 
there's a lot of lot of good stuff. We um, if I go back to uh, the, um, the potential um, roadshow opportunity, um, in it is the Guitar Sanctuary, and it's the Guitar Sanctuary dot com. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, checked it out? No, I haven't gone there yet. And it's in How many McKinney. We got in here. McKinney, Texas. Using? Do you know that? In where of Texas? McKinney. Yeah, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Is that good or bad place? Am I going to get shot it's, there? It's great. I've been there. Well, you will get shot, not us. <laughs> We're Americans. <laughs> You're Americans. They won't shoot you, Americans. We're Americans. We're Americans. <laughs> We're Americans. The well, the the guitar sanctuary. It's just it's it's an interesting name. I'd like to know where they come up with it. We're good friends with Andy Timmons. You know Andy Timmons. Sure, man. You, Great you, player. You do you friends with Andy? Yeah, I know Andy really well, man. He's come to, to MI a few times and done some workshops and stuff and we played a few tunes and, yeah. What's what's Andy's deal? Oh, this place looks amazing. Oh shit, yeah, we should do it we should do it there. Look at this place. That's that looks ridiculous. Cool. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I check out the everyone go to the guitarsanctuary.com. It's beautiful. Very lovely looking. Okay, place. I'll I'll do it. How we'll much is it, it going to cost me? <laughs> yeah, how much is it going to cost us? Anyway, we'll we'll talk to um Brian Meter. We're going to talk to you Brian about maybe doing that. That'd be good. Texas would be a fun place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played up festival there recently in austin it was my band and billy cobham's band oh and also the son of a very famous african guitarist but i can't remember his name and i didn't get to hear his set because we came the next day but we played with billy cobham wow and we we actually opened for billy right and um it was fun it was really a cool gig awesome a lot of people there yeah yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun great little festival they had there well i think we caught up most of our questions which is impressive great you guys did really good did yeah, do you man. have anything politically to add to yeah it? donald trump is a piece of shit <laughs> come on come on he <laughs> speaks very highly and, and his you. sons oh, are they're... even bigger pieces of shit no. than him oh come on i'm Let's starting say, to like donald talk trump about how can you fucking we don't want to talk about politics i do <laughs> Well, no, not here. Man. We had a shit. We had a few. Don't talk about us there. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. They were talking they about you the but other I day. But I would like to say, if Hillary or Donald want to come on this show, we're welcome to have them. <laughs> right? God. We welcome them. I'm such a Donald Trump but, hater. But no, we don't talk about politics or religion here. We decided. Oh, we made an agreement. We did. We told you we caught up with Mike, right, Mike Landau. Yeah. We're going to get him on the show. Sure. Okay. Got to get Mike on the show. We're going to have to go to his house to do it. Michael Landau? Yeah. I oh, live in Santa here. Monica, doesn't he? He will yeah. come here. Did you did you really talk to him? Yeah. He yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he knew who I, He even said, oh, you must be Troy. Yeah. So he no, listens he, to the show. He loves the show. But he just doesn't want to come over. Oh, here. that'd be fun to have Mikey here, man. It sure. would be great to have Mike. It'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, okay, I got a question for you. Oh. I got a question. Um, Wrong reversal. You know, if you take your cord, your, your guitar cable, mm-hmm. and you put knots in it, does that change the sound? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's a freaky? The guy came over to my house the other day with a new pedal that he gave me, really nice. And um, he said that if you take 
the fuse out of your amp and turn it around, the amp will sound different. And I'll be darned, he was right. Really? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know why, but if you take the fuse and you turn it around backwards and you put the fuse back in and turn the amp on, the amp sounds different. And we recorded it. We put it on tape. And it's so it, big it's difference? Pretty, pretty big difference. I'd say not like super subtle, but not super big. Just you can hear it. Better or worse? Well, there's. I, I liked the way it was in originally. When I right. turned it around, it seemed to me that the amp got a little thinner and treblier and lost a little bass. Wow. You know? But some people might like that. You know, I like prefer a darker sound, so I preferred the way it, it was in in the beginning. Right. So I'm glad because I use that amp on the record a lot, and I like <laughs> the way it sounds, so I'm glad. But yeah. when I turned it around and then recorded it, and, and, and we did it a few times to make sure we weren't hearing things, and we just recorded a few notes, and you could definitely hear there's a difference in tone. Wow, that's, that's yeah, and I, crazy. I wouldn't know why that happens. I just wouldn't be able to. Well, I think it's why. the ultra high molecular weight polyethylene that's running through. The... I guess who knows <laughs> what the hell it what is. About, what about this? You got a cord, and it's in a coil at your feet. I don't think that would make. Is that affected? Does the transference sort of a think. cobra? The sound gets dizzy. Co- the old cobra <laughs> deletion factor. No. But I, I, I will say that I, I, I have some new IRs that are really oh, do? good. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. Who? From who? Ownhammer. Oh, well. and some other ones where I can't say where they're from yet, Ooh. because the, there's a company, and I can't mention the name of the company, but they're starting to make IRs, and I got a few samples, and wow, they're really great. They really sound great. That sounds pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, that, that 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 technology is just getting better and better for people who can't turn up loud, and who can't you know turn a speaker cabinet up. Do you loud. use Do you use the reactive load box live at all? No, but you know someone was suggesting that you could. It would be a great way to turn down a loud amp at a gig. Like say if you had a hundred watt amp. Yeah. And you and you really need to turn it down. So so you come out of the speaker of that amp. Yeah into the load box and come out of the line out of the out of out of the line into the return of say a small amp like a little deluxe yeah you know or something like that then you'd have that 100 watt marshall sound at a at a lower volume from a deluxe wow i've never tried it but it, but it sounds like like it would work yeah sounds like a good idea cuz i've seen guys using it live like mhm yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's one of the reasons John invented the box. But I've I've never used it. Like to me, it's a little it's a lot of gear to to, to haul around. It's I mean, just, I could just use the the, the deluxe and it sounds okay. Yeah, is that what you use me. the the Fender you got right? The Fender deluxe, the little hot rod deluxe. That's what I use on a softer gig. Yeah, and it sounds pretty good. But what I mean, was the the amp that you had? Your Sir and the. Uh, the MI. The, the s- deluxe. Oh, it's the but deluxe. See, okay. see, on the in that situation, I'm using it as the wet amp. Because I've got a dry, wet. Dry wet. Yeah. Yeah. And that in that case, the deluxe is just being used for effects. Right. So you have them. You you have them on. So the the fender's all the wet, all wet, and, and the, the Marshall's all dry. Right. And you yeah. you have them going at the same time, but mm-hmm. just so you get that clarity with those those tones, right? It's not really about clarity about the clarity of the delay and the reverb. It's about how much better the amp works when you're not loading the effects loop down with a bunch oh, of bullshit okay. yeah yeah because when you put an effect in the effects <clears throat> loop 
usually you want to put a mixer in there with it too so that you don't so the effect doesn't color your sound mm. but even if you just put an effect in there by itself you load the amp down it doesn't right. feel the same the notes don't punch out like they do when there's nothing in the effects loop right you know so this way you don't have to use the effects loop of the amp you can just use the amp dry right. and you use a little box you go out of the speaker into a little box that turns it into line level and then you go into the line level into your effect mm -hmm. which in my case is just a little multi-effect se70 thing and then into the input of a fender combo okay and then you can use the eq on the fender to eq the reverb and the delay so it's as dark or as bright as you want and oh, it's wow. nice because you got you know you've got the amp working at its best capacity without loading it down with a bunch of shit yeah and then you've got the effects coming out of a different amp but once you get like two or three feet away from it it all sounds like it's coming from the same place ah oh, see i thought yeah. you were running I thought it's not like stereo or anything, right? I thought you were running your wet signal to one amp and your dry signal. I, I, no, I mean it's the I'm I'm hitting the amp just dry, just playing my right. dry, but but converting that dry signal through an extra speaker jack, right? Okay, into a line level signal that feeds the effect and goes into the Fender right. little combo. Yep. So you've got totally dry from the four by twelve and the little wet sound coming from the 1 by 12 because the reverb and delay is such a small part of the sound it's only like 10 percent of the sound yeah so you don't need a giant amp to produce that just yep. a little a little 40 watt combo will do that no problem right and it sounds really nice it sounds nice and separated and and the notes sound cleaner because you know the amp works better because you're not loading it down yep. there's also something about how the the pickup reacts to the speaker you know when, when you're just playing an amp and it's just the pickup in the speaker and there's nothing else in the speaker to cloud the issue like reverb and delay, yeah. the guitar is so much more reactive with the speaker. Hmm. You know, I can get feedback on any note, you know, just, just sustains and turns into a nice up an octave feedback just on any note I want. I mean, it's the yeah. speaker is, is that you can just feel how the guitar the pickups of the guitar and the speaker are talking right you know and that doesn't happen as well when there's reverb and delay in the same speakers mm -hmm. so that's another thing too hmm. but yeah so it's, it's a cool way to do it and you know when people in the old days you know like people used to think oh i got to carry around all this stuff an extra mic pre and extra blah 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 i carry around an extra fender combo that's it right not that much to carry, yeah. just an yeah. extra amp and a little box the size of a, a pedal. So not that much gear to carry around to, to be able to do that wet, dry thing. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I need to try that. Bruce fell asleep. <laughs> we talk, we're talking gear. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce went to sleep. Are you, do you have a lot of guys approach you with pedals and stuff, Bruce? <laughs> i do but i don't really you, you know I, I very rarely uh will listen to anybody that i don't know right because usually they're not happening mm -hmm. but i did have a guy bring me a pedal you know a couple months ago and it was amazing you, I, I think you said it, it sounded better than the clone amazing right? amazing and did i, I give can't you say the guy's name no i, I bought it from him yeah and and I can't say his name because he doesn't want to go into the pedal making business. Yeah. 
but he makes pedals for people that he knows and likes and blah blah blah. Right. And and uh, he made a, this pedal for me, and and I didn't have to buy it. He just brought it over for me to try it. And when I heard it, I just went, "This is the shit. I want this thing. How much is it?" And it was around three hundred bucks. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sold." Right. Because this thing was sounds that good. amazing. Did that yeah. instantly go on your pedal board or not? No, it's not a pedal I would use live. It's okay. a recording pedal. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's got a little bit too much bass to <clears throat> use live. Right. Because I have plenty of bass. I don't need any more bass live. But when you're recording, it's it's a great recording high gain distortion pedal. If you were going to yeah. build a pedal board for Bruce, what would you put on it? Well, let me see. <laughs> Put on, like, say, some tuna, some salmon, maybe, pizza. <laughs> I want Bruce on it. I, I think it'd be great to get Bruce at a gig, a tally, and a little pedal board. I don't see Bruce's sound going well through pedals because, because first of all, you know, he has such a, a distinct sound the way he just plays the guitar through the amp it just works you know like it's the amp is just distorted enough so that when he does things that are a little bit you know like when, the, when he does ballsy kind of things mm. on the low strings you hear the amp kind of ch like just choking a little bit and stuff i mean it sounds so real and yeah. raw and natural that you wouldn't want to fuck it up with pedals because pedals would make it too distorted What's the point of going through a boost pedal? It's just going to boost more distortion. More distortion, yeah. Yeah, because he needs the clean for chords. So I wouldn't recommend any pedals. And, and he would sound completely, uh, you know, he would sound like a little... Um, <laughs> Like a little twelve-year-old girl with a chorus pedal. <laughs> I wouldn't want to hear. Wait that. a minute, I resent that. <laughs> I would not want. Can't to hear you make Bruce. it a thirteen-year-old girl? <laughs> yeah, thirteen-year-old girl oh, okay, is better. Okay, okay, I, I really would not want to hear Bruce. I don't want to hear the feminine side of Bruce. That that would scar me for life if I heard Bruce playing through a chorus pedal. That would be like the most awful thing that I would. I could never want to hear that ever. So so yeah. and then I, now now you know what he could use a wah wah pedal a wah -wah. <laughs> because sometimes he does some things that I could say okay he's playing some funky shit if he had a wah wah it would be even right? funkier it would be yeah. funky so a wah wah would be yeah that would okay. be that okay would I'll be, do it yeah a I'm, such a, pedal. I'm such a crybaby <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a wah wah pedal would be cool you know that would fit. Because <laughs> it's vintage you know what I mean it's vintage and it's cool and I it's, can see him with maybe a little. Yeah. A little tube screamer? No. Nah, slide that just, in? No, it is no? Too it's too dirty. I mean, you can't mess up a great clean sound with a distortion pedal. I mean, let's say that he wanted to play a solo. By the way, he's just right here, but we're just going to talk about him. Like <laughs> talk about him. I'll go and go back to sleep. I'm going back to sleep. I thought you were talking about, about like pedals. He's not let's here. talk about his pedal like, board. <laughs> what I think would really piss him off, like the most. <laughs> No, you know what? If he did have a boost pedal, right, and just turned it on only for single line solos of it. But see, the thing is, I never see him play three notes without playing a chord. You yeah, know? he's a 
Because he's going to play three or four notes. He's going to play a chord. Then he's going to play some more. He's going to play maybe a, a, a line. But then he's going to go back to playing some chords. But wouldn't that... Might, this might force him to stop playing so many fucking chords. Well, so we I can work out what he's no, doing. Stop playing so many goddamn fucking stop chords. Stop the chords. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> They're not getting me nowhere. <laughs> Every chord you play, you're making less money. I know. Just I remember know. that. Okay. Okay. Thanks for giving me that. So, Jesus so, Christ. Anyway... So if he could stop playing chords for a minute, then yeah, a boost pedal would give him a fatter tone, especially if he wanted to use his treble pickup on that L5 and get that really cool, you know. But then, here's my concern. Mm -hmm. Would it start sounding like Schofield? Because that's what he does. Right. But Schofield's on a telly right now. It doesn't matter. It's like, as soon as you play a humbucking, start playing jazz lines and a humbucking pickup through a boost pedal and get mild distortion, hi, John Schofield. (laughs) Welcome to John's career. You just don't want to go there. What if he's not doing it on the L5? It's the resonator. Well, the resonator just in itself is a whole other voice it yeah. sounds which good i haven't even heard yet but i'm I, sure it I, sounds completely original when i played it i was like i want one of these guitars it just felt that cool the national resonator it's a right? really cool guitar it's got the three what is it the three the tricone tricone yeah mm-hmm. sounded cool i think through just a bit of grit on that thing would sound amazing it probably probably would yeah. yeah really really cool what a beautiful guitar it is i want one well ladies and gentlemen we've gone right. i gotta go man We've gone. We've you kept go. you guys up. Well, go ahead and go. I gotta go. I gotta you know, go. This guy, this guy, you know, I was, he's staying in a really funky motel. Who? This guy, and he and he calls up. You know, he's and he's he calls the desk because it's driving him crazy. He says, "Man, he says, man, I got a leak in my sink." And the the, the desk clerk says, "Well, go ahead." <laughs> Do you have a On joke? That note, Do you have a joke to end the night? I don't. You've got. If you've heard all my jokes, really? Yeah, I don't have any more. I need some new ones. What was the one you told at the start of the night? We didn't get it on thing. I don't know. Oh, I told one or Bruce did. No, I think Bruce did. Yeah, I didn't. I forget it. Ah oh, man. Oh, ladies, I'll, I'll you know, you, I'll tell you the, the the one, but we have to stop recording. Oh, okay. Well, but you know, we didn't do fucking guitar Wikipedia. We'll again. do that later. We, we've got a bunch of episodes here. We'll worry about it later. Okay, but yeah, people are asking for it. Okay, good. Well, we'll get back to it. Um, we, so, ladies and gentlemen, we need more goodbyes too. Oh yeah. See you later. <laughs> In a while. You know, I will not edit this. This will just go straight to the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank. Give a big round of applause to Scotty Henderson. And Mr. Bruce Foreman. Yay. Yay. And I'm your host, Troy McCubbin. Yay. And we, I said, oh, guess who jumped in on Facebook the other day? Brett Gar said, saying how much oh, he loves man. it. Brett. How man. much he loves the podcast, and he's such a huge fan. And we love him. Man. We love he's Brett. Amazing. And um, he said to come down to Australia. and What a badass guitar player, man. He's a monster guitar player. Really we love incredible. you, Brett. You're good mate. And um, I hope you, I, I think, he might be going out with Johnny Farnham again. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if his mate Irwin, Irwin Thomas, Jack Jones will be How going out. How many houses has he bought off that gig? I wonder. I hope a lot. I hope, <laughs> man, a, lot. I hope a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Brett, awesome, for all the man. support. He's, 
We should we should get Brett on the show and Helen Alan Holdsworth. Helen, one of his, his what's Helen Holdsworth? <laughs> what's what's Alan's wife's name? Is he married? No. Has he ever been married? Uh, yeah, he's divorced. Um, I'm trying to think. Now, did I hear that? Did you say that Brett was going to tour here or no? No, but I, I heard that John Farnham's going out again in Australia, but but I'm not in the states. <clears throat> no, he's yeah, because I I don't think I don't think Brett's been back to the states since he left. Yeah, I don't think so. And that's been what like fifteen years ago easy, or more. Easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he hasn't been back here in a long time. Long he needs time. to come back and visit. He needs to come back and visit. If he did, he'd have to come on the show. Oh, absolutely. We'd man. have to get Brett on absolutely. the show. Absolutely, it'd be the Aussies versus the oh, Americans. Brett, come <laughs> over, mate. Yeah. Aussies first versus the Yanks. <laughs> Yeah, and Brett, an even, an even fight. And Brett should do it soon before America disappears. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if Trump gets in, mate, we might be in, here longer. Man, it might be over. <laughs> All done. And with that said, please send your donations to. We go to guitar. We've been getting a lot of donations. Have lately. we? Yeah. How come I ain't getting no money? Because well, Troy uses it all oh, for yeah. alcohol. I use it all for <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Oh, okay. See, Woo-hoo! I'm, I'm confusing. I'm using you jazz guys to make me more money. Oh, right, cool. Yeah, well, that's, that's not working. Nobody can blame you for that. <laughs> that's a business model. All right. It'll do good well. night, you guys. All right. Good night, good night ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Safe. Yes, we they appreciate you more than you know. They, they don't know. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Excellent. So anyways, anyways, everyone.